Yes, hello, I am James Rowlands, and today it's the WNR 327. It's Impact Hard to Kill, and uh, I have the pleasure to be joined by the ultimate one. How you doing, mate? You all right? I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, you know, taking it by day by day. I'm going, um, I'm tired of being home, you know. But, you know, there's a lot of rustling, so that's 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 the good thing, you know. Uh, you know, it seems like a lot of these um, promotions are getting their stuff you know, back in order. Uh, I've still got to get used to the no no fans, but uh, I'm catching up on MLW also. Um, I know they started back in December, so I mean, I'm still not, I get to enjoy myself. You know, going you know watching these these shows and all these wrestling. So, well, about the what's up with you though? How's UK? First of all, I how's UK, Mister? Because I know the last time we spoke in December, uh, you told me you were on lockdown. We are in lockdown and Brexit has happened as well. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, so it basically means in my work, all the stuff we send to Europe, um, no one has an idea what's going on. Mm. So it's all, it's all over the place at the moment. It has been a disaster. Like I say, I look at what's happened in America, uh, obviously, with, with what's going on. And at the moment in England and the UK, it yeah. is awful. And like I said, if it wasn't for the amount of professional wrestling that we had to watch... Uh, and I've actually set myself a challenge this year as well of trying to watch every single bit of wrestling I possibly can. Yeah, watch MLW, though. MLW is right now, I mean, you got to get, you got to get used to the the no fans or whatever. But I know Leo Rush is back. Uh, Leo Rush, was it Leo? Yeah, Leo Rush won the uh, the middleweight title from uh, Marion Reed, I think his last name is. You got Lee, uh, you got Leo Rush. You have uh, ACH is in there. A cold contra unit is running that. I mean, uh, and I think they added they added uh, Davari. They used to wrestle WWE as part of the contra unit. So, I mean, it's, I mean, I know you guys get it out there, and I think it's in Bean, Bean Sport. So um, that's the channel. Now you can see it on YouTube. They got it on YouTube. It's it's pretty decent. It's not bad. I like MLW. Well, I think thanks to my fire stick, I've managed to see uh, the New Japan Wrestle Kingdom both nights oh, yes. this year. Obviously, we've had NXT with the New Year Evils as well. Uh, and, of course, um, everything else that's been going on, of course, with, with Impact Hard to Kill. And I'm trying to cram in Raw and SmackDown every week alongside, of course, Dynamite, Impact and NXT UK. Mm, that's a lot of wrestling, buddy. Well, uh, I, I, was saying, I, 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 I don't know if I could sit down and watch Raw. I'm sorry. <laughs> Do you know what? I did it last week and I thought, how have I done this? I was, <laughs> I was impressed with myself. I bet, listen, I, I, I watched the Raw thing was the last week. It, uh, it was it was I. I just I just can't deal with one minute they're doing something right. And the next thing you know, I saw Matt Riddle lost to uh, Bobby Lashley in three minutes. I can't. That's, that's not wrestling. To me, that's not wrestling. If you got a guy you pushing... Uh, to let's say make car status, right? He's the number one guy, the number one contender to the United States title. A three minute match does not make that guy credible after that, you know? So, because he loses to, okay, Bobby Lassie, okay, he's a dominant champion, whatever, but come on, Matt Riddle is better than that, you know? So, and then uh, they call I've, him Riddle now. It's not even Matt. There's no Matt involved. <laughs> this, this is the thing with, uh, of course, McIntyre and at this moment in time as well. It's, I feel Raw is not helping itself. You know? Oh, no, not at all, because not only that, but if you look at the ratings that are going on in there, now, in today's in today's wrestling fans, the way they think, oh, oh you know, 
Raw is bad because of Drew McIntyre. This time you can't put that at the ch- at, at the world champion because the world champion is going to be the world champion. And Drew McIntyre, he he he'll give you a decent match. But if the rest of the card and the storylines are not good, you know, you can't blame it on the champion. You got to blame it on who's running the show, the bookers or the writers, because there's not even bookers anymore. The writers, they come with these storylines. And, and then you got Bruce Pritchard and McMahon. They out of, they're not, in, you know, they're out of touch. And I think that's what's messing up, you know, um, Raw. And if you look at SmackDown, SmackDown every week is getting almost 2.1, 2.2 million viewers. And it's better than than Raw. Now my question is: These are the two same guy, uh, the two same guys that are running Raw is running SmackDown. So what's the problem? You know, I mean, even though Roman Reigns, because of his change of character right now, and then with with Paul Heyman helping him, I think they added Apollo Crew into the group now. You know, um, you know, it, it, it shows you that what's wrong there. Because if you got a, a SmackDown who's giving you two point two views. A week, but then Raw, who's the flagship show, is giving you 1.5. What's wrong? Somebody's doing something wrong there. So, you know, and this is why I don't, I can't watch it because it's like, you know, and in reality, if you think about it, uh, Roman Reigns is the main guy, the main story out of the whole SmackDown. I mean, though you got Big E, he's doing his thing. He's the new Intercontinental Champion. Now I'm seeing they're finally pushing Nakamura again. Um, it, it's not consistency, and when it's not consistency, you know that 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 drives away fans. Well, I think this is to say because obviously WWE is the kind of the, the biggest you know show out there, uh, and I feel with someone like AEW and Impact that we're going to cover today, mm-hmm. they are using what they've got to the best of their abilities, and especially with Impact, we get on with it. You know, it's not a kind of big roster, but everything that they're doing is trying to help the fans enjoy the show more. And I feel with Raw sometimes. They do stuff to kind of alienate either the hardcore fan or the, or the general viewer. I mean, if you were just a normal person that didn't watch, I say normal person, as in you didn't watch Raw or SmackDown every week and week out and you turned into it. Yeah, th- but there's not, you know, Fred to pick up on, is there, you know? Yeah, it, it, like I said, it's consistency. But while we go through this hard to kill um, uh, review, uh, there's little stuff that Impact still does that reminds me of WWE. And, and we'll get to that when we get to that part. But, I mean, again, when it comes to WWE, I don't understand that SmackDown. I mean, I to me, I think in the last four or five years, SmackDown has been better than Raw, you know. Um, and, and um, I mean, they went down a little bit, then Raw went up. But I think because of the change of attitude or the change of, of uh, I guess, from fate, baby face to heel, we want to call that now. Uh, Roman Reigns is the guy right now. He's carrying that SmackDown um, brand, you know. And. Meanwhile, you got Roman Reigns doing all that, but meanwhile, NXT is suffering a little bit because they, you know, they, I mean, they're taking everybody uh, pretty much gutted out NXT and whatnot. And I think they're bringing uh, Rhea Ripley up. Um, and I think uh, Damian Priest also, I think it's supposed to be coming up in the roster. But they gutted out NXT. Uh, NXT is not the same anymore. AEW pretty much beats them every week. And I think. If NXT does not be AEW this week in the ratings, then something's wrong. Because right now the show that they're doing for AEW this week is not great. It looks like a mini version of AEW Dark, you know, because they got Corey uh, thing uh, Cody Rhodes supposed to wrestle. Uh, I think it's Peter, Peter Avalon. Avalon. Peter yeah. Avalon, yeah, uh, Peter Avalon is a, is a it's a jobber. So 
that goes to show you that they probably figure out we'll do this for now to get everybody a break or whatever. But if N- NXT does not beat AEW this week with that card, then you know something's wrong. They should be able to beat them this week in ratings. I think without a doubt. So well, we'll, we'll, let's start with the show. Like we talk about, there's so much press focused on today with AEW leading up to, of course, Impact's Hard to Kill. Uh, and of course, the last time you joined us was the WNR Awards, the AEW Awards, and we had so much. Uh, great feedback from that. Uh, just again, like thank you for uh, taking part of it, uh, and of course, people loving uh, what we're putting out. And again, and that's the reason now we're going to follow AEW from, of course, where we left off uh, until present day, so to speak. Yeah, the uh, I think the last one we talked, uh, according to what I'm looking here, I think it was somewhere in December, the third week of December, December 19, something like that. That was the last time we spoke. Um, after that, as we know, uh, Brody Lee passed away unexpectedly on December 26th. That caught everybody by surprise. I mean, before that happened, they had the holiday show. And w- was that the one that? No, Rave. No, it wasn't the Rave Phoenix fight. Um, but we saw what happened once um, Brody Lee passed away. Now, uh, the pretty much this real big storyline going on in AEW right now, besides the fact that Brody Lee's no longer with us is the Omega stuff. Um, and the fact that Omega won the world title, and then he brought it to uh, Impact, and then, um, as we saw in New Year's Smash 1, we saw that the Young Bucks supposedly joined the uh, the supposedly the Good Brothers and Omega as part of, uh, I guess, the reunion of a Bullet Club, which right now, Tamatanga is going crazy in Japan right now, with all the stuff that he's saying. Um, and, um, so right now that led off to what happened to Hard to Kill this week, um, yes. and you know I think that's the main storyline AEW right now because of that, and um, everything else is just right now they they pretty much just setting up uh, matches for that uh, Breach Break I think Breach Break in February third, so they're setting everything up for that event, which is a uh, you know it's gonna be on TV anyway, but they're doing something way before Revolution. I mean. According to me, the way I look at it, it looks like the Young Bucks are going to end up wrestling the Good Brothers, champion versus champion. Well, let's get into all that good action now. We're going to go back to the 30th of December, of course, a tribute to Brody Lee. We see Brody Lee's wife and children were joined by an entire AEW roster for the 10 Bell Salute. Then we see a John Moxie promo played. He said he never had a more difficult time coming up with words to say, and that Brody Lee brought joy to wrestling. Moxie had known Lee from Bingo Halls to stadiums, but to Lee, this was just a job. 2020 has hurt us all, but Lee's passing was like a soccer kick to the face. Wrestling isn't sports the community, and we support each other. Moxley hopes that Lee inspires us to become a little better and to appreciate what we have, because every day, including the day spent with Lee, is a gift. I love you, brother. I'll never forget you. Um, first, I thought your thoughts on the passing, of course, of um, Brody Lee, and what did you think of the Moxley promo? Because uh, it was a really emotional Yeah, the, the, the Moxley promo pretty much shows you some of the the um these wrestlers when they start they like Brody Lee and, and Moxley came up through the combat zone wrestling and all that and they fought each other and, and now they're in independent shows but he, they also wrestled WrestleMania I think it was thirty one one of those but let me honestly I have seen so many wrestlers has passed away in, in my lifetime I think the last one that I got choked up watching the the was the uh the Owen Hart 
uh, 99 and the Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero was the worst for me because Eddie Guerrero, I, I mean, I followed Eddie Guerrero since 94 when I first saw him at, uh, I think, uh, some some show between Mexico and WCW back in 94. Uh, but this show was so hard to watch. I mean, there, there was not a tear that ran down my eyes because it was just like the wrestlers were emotional. Uh, just the uh, the promos, um, what everybody said, it just it, it hurt a lot because this is a guy where I remember watching him in that dog wrestle uh, that dog collar match with with Cody, and I remember seeing his um, his podcast with AEW Unrestricted, and he mentions something about him being hurt. Uh, little did we know that there was more to that. So I expected him back to um, AEW because you know the dark order did not look the same without him there because you know, he's like the was the big figure he was the main guy and all that and it, it was like that was taken away from us as fans and it was very emotional like i i, I don't know how many times i cried watching. well this is the thing that i think the show you know was was a perfect thing to do but like i said when when someone dies like they're kind of the outpouring of support towards him of, of, of being such a a great guy as well you know and, and like you said it's uh it's, it's one of these things we see chris jericho join the commentary table and then we have colt cabana young bucks uh defeating matt hardy in private party this was a fantastic emotional open as expected cabana had tears in his eyes during his entrance bucks hit quinn with the Undertaker. cabana followed up with superman for uh pin for the free and then before the next match eddie kingston took a mic and said brody i love you i miss you now that the nicest out of the way, he said, Dark Order is nothing without Lee. And then Dark Order, Stu Gracie, Valuno, Lance Archer, defeated Eddie to the Butcher and the Blade. This was an excellent half-fought match, and Lance Archer wore classic Brody Lee Luke Harper gear with the old tank top and blue jeans. Archer was definitely firing this matchup, and I have become a fan of Eddie Kingston, but I think that was a lovely tribute uh, to look like Luke Harper in that match. Yeah, did you? Uh, I mean, I like what they did. I, I saw the post-match the post-match uh, show with Tony Schiavone and, um, you know, Lance Archer said it best. Lance Archer said, I've never been part of a promotion that shows a family-oriented, you know, like they really care about the wrestlers. They really care about the family. The whole show was perfect. I mean, and it's funny because I'm watching a match and it's not hitting me that he's dressed like uh, Brody Lee, you know? Um, so, you know, it didn't hit me until he did the um, the thing with the where he kisses both of his finger and goes on yeah. the, the rope. That part, that was the part that I was like, oh shoot, he's dressed like Brody Lee, you know. And um, so it was cool. Well, what he said in the uh, in the post show um, comment that he feels that he's never been, you know, and and, and Lance Archer's been in the business for God knows how many years, and he said he's never seen that in a promotion, and that's what AEW brings, you know. Um, you know, there's a lot of wrestlers that say that's family oriented. They care about their wrestlers. And, you know, I think this is why, um, you know, I mean, they even think, uh, I think in the being the elite, they show uh, Eddie Kingston, actually uh, talking about, you know, as long as we wrestle, his his legacy will continue, you know, and, and, and Eddie Kingston promo was off the hook because he said it. He said as long as his son lives, um, Brody is not dead, you know, because he keeps his legacy, you know. So I mean, uh, the whole that that match was both 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 uh, matches 
with you know with Gray, especially with the Cole Cabana, because Cole Cabana, as soon as he came in the ring, you could tell he was crying. Yeah. And it was nice for him to get the the pin. That was the best part. Did the Superman um pin. Well, we get the next tribute was about how much Brody Lee loved his wife and children. It said that Lee and his family were inseparable, and that Lee couldn't get out, uh, couldn't wait to get out of Daly's place after work was done. Bryce Remsburg said that if there was a Mount Rushmore of wrestling dads, Lee should be on it. And then up next, Star Order, John Silver and Alex Reynolds and Hangman Page defeated in the circle and Jester Talon Ortiz. As great as the show had been so far, this was the highlight for me. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree because that was the one. Um, not not only is John Silver coming out with the outfit that Brody Lee gave him because he gave him that and they were going to use it in one of the BTE, whatever, but he used it. And then to top it off, he did the spinning discus lariat. And for him to break down the ring, that, that, uh, that, I couldn't hold my tears in that because it was just. And then to top it off, the best part was I didn't expect Eric Rowan to be there. Oh, Re- Eric Redbeard. Oh, so uh, let me, let's correct that. It's Eric Redbeard. <laughs> As uh, Jericho got wrong a couple of times. But it's even the, you know, tossing the the, uh, the paper in their face, as they would do to them and being the elite. Oh, you know. that was hilarious, yeah. Uh, we see, you know, of course, uh, minus one Brody Lee's son at ringside as well. This is a great match. Silver looked awesome. Good teaming by the inner circle with the official distracted Wardlow attack Reynolds with a clothesline. So Eric Redbeard, of course, like I said, Eric Rowan, uh, ran out to send Wardlow packing. What a wonderful moment that was. Dark order hit pass by Buckshot Larrett from Page. But MGF uh, put Ortiz's foot in the road. MGF pulled out the mask of Minus One, who subsequently hit him with the kendo stick again. Another fantastic moment. Silver then posed like Lee, landed discus forearm and pinned Ortiz. And like I said, he, he everybody lost it at the end. And then Redbeard came down with a sign that read, goodbye for now, my brother. See you down the road. Um, it really does hit home with shit like that, you know. Yeah, yeah it, it hit home because that's something that wrestlers were saying that when he used to leave to go to his to see his wife and his kids, he would say that, uh, you know, uh, uh, goodbye forever. I'll see you down the road. And because he wanted uh, the uh, the time that he spent with his kids last forever, but he had a job to do. He had to come, you know, travel, whatever. But, um, you know, that was one of the most emotional part. It was that part. It was that part when that match really, really was a, a, a tear gusher, should we say. So, yeah, we're about to write it down. So. Uh, then we had Anna Jay and Tay Conte defeating Britt Baker and Penelope Ford after catching the moves up. Jay locked on the Queenslayer sleeper as Conte dispatched Baker and Reba, forcing Ford to tap. Um, I, I think there is something missing with the woman, but at the moment we won't go there. Seeing this is a broken lead tribute, and of course Jane Conti were very emotional. Tony Schiavone interviewed Baker, who said that the whole thing was rigged, almost like a big rig. One of Brody Lee's names on the indie with the Dark Order winning every match. Rosen then attacked, and then our main event was uh, Preston Ten Vance, Cody Rose, and Ice Cassidy defeating Team Taz, Cage Starks, and Powerhouse Hob. This match features the favorite wrestlers. The minus one was billed as one night only. Uh, Bryce Ramsberg, very emotional early on the show, was the official for this match. Um, as the crowd chanted 10, Taz grabbed a chair, but was met with Arn Anson, who had a chair of his own. Cassie hit the orange punch, Cody hit crossfoes, and 10 hit Spinebuster as Ramsberg counted three. It was a clean sweep for the Dark Order, winning all five matches. Winning team, especially 10, was emotional after the match. But Team Taz attacked, the lights went out, Darby Allen appeared, but the lights went out again, and Allen was flanked by Sting, with the odd even Team Taz was forced to retreat. Again, building upon the, the kind of friendship between Sting and uh, Darby Allen now. But I think Team Taz and Taz in that role is playing it really, really well at this moment in time. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was they had to do it that way because you know you wanna you want the the, the heroes to stand tall. You know, I mean, and Team Taz right now, I think that's the group right now is making a lot of noise as far as faction is concerned. Um, but it, it was it was great. It was a great show. I mean, and and I mean, I'm sure you're gonna bring it up for what it did for with the title, but. It was a great show. It was really. It was. I mean, I saw it twice. I saw it. I saw it Wednesday. That Wednesday, and then I saw it the next day. So. Well, we had like I said the Brody Lee celebration life, and Cody Rhodes was alone in the ring, very emotional. He said, "Isolate Brody Lee." He quoted Samuel Johnson saying, "You can judge a man's character by how he treats somebody who could do him no good." He talked about all the stories we heard over the past few days of people who have been positively affected by Brody Lee. And then uh, Brody Lee Jr. minus form full entrance and all came out with his mother. Pressed advance of Tony Khan. He took his father's boots and placed them in the centre of the ring. Cody draped a purple cloth over him. Khan said Brody Lee was the greatest TNT champion of all time and presented minus form with his own belt, calling him the TNT champion for life. A tribute for Brody Lee played. There was footage from way early in his career and all about his AEW tenure, as well as plenty of photos uh, closed with in memory of John Hoover. Brody Lee, 1979 to 2020. Uh, Chris Jericho said on commentary that uh, Ted main event felt like being in heaven. Well, he isn't, but we know where Brody Lee is. Um, like I said, what an episode that was. Yes, it was, it was. It was a great episode. It shows you that the guy was a family man. He loved the business, uh, but he loved his family more. You know, and um, you don't you don't see a lot of wrestlers like that nowadays. A lot of a lot of wrestlers. They, I mean, I've read documentary i'm not documentary i read books i've seen documentary where wrestlers get so into the business that they lose track you know because they want to hang out with the boys after the matches and all that but Brody lee was he just once once his match was over here he had his stuff packed he was leaving he wanted to be around his kids and his wife and you know you can't ask for anything better i mean he's he's sorely going to be missed i mean Dark Order does not look the same. And now the question is, who's going to be the leader? Who's going to be running it? And you know, it's a big void. That's a big loss for AEW. Yeah. Uh, without a shadow of a doubt. And uh, WWE did release the uh, Celebrating the Life of Luke Harper, which on the next episode of WNL we're going to have a look at. It's his NXT and WWE career, obviously from his debut in the White Family uh, to his, his last match. Uh, but we're here for January. It's the first Impact of the year and after a seething promo recount and the beating Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers from three weeks ago, Impact World Champion Rich Swan and the Motor City Machine Guns made their way to the parking lot to confront the hard to kill opponents. The Hills got the jump on them low, attacking and leaving them lying to build heat for the pay per view main event. So yet again AEW has the last laugh over Impact. Yeah, but can can we say that though? Because now the Good Brothers they impact world champions. So it's more it's more of I don't even think they care about the promotion. They just they just want to beat up anybody. They just Omega's trying to prove to everybody he's the best there is, and, and he's gonna be the the Infinity Gauntlet, the the belt collector, and Gallows and Anderson are just his hitmans. Well, we move on to the sixth of January. It's New Year's Smash Night One, and Chris Jericho joins the announced team again. We kick off with an eight-man tag team match. It's Aiden World Tag Team Champions Young Bucks and SCU versus Hybrid. Anthony Bowens and Platinum Max Kester. Uh, it's Wednesday night, you know what that means, said JR, as he welcomed views to the very first Dynamite of 2021. Uh, the match broke down into a brawl right from the get go. The Bucks took down Jack Evans. Evans attempted a 6.30 cent on, but Nick managed to get his knees up in time. 
Uh, they were looking for the Melts driver, but Evans bridged out with some interference, scored a near fall. Christopher Daniels executed his best moonsault ever as Matt Jackson dropped Evans with the Meltzer driver. The two teams worked together flawlessly. This Jackson to pin Jack Evans and post-match. SU told the Bucks that they had their backs any time they needed, except for when a night when the Bucks' belt was on the line against them. And they also said that the first time they would lose, um, next time they lose as a tag team, they would split up. Uh, what are your thoughts on that opening segment? The, uh, the, what do you mean, the match itself? Uh, just over with SCU, what do you think of a, a kind of a tag team? And do you think this is they're gonna, obviously they, they're going for the last run now, aren't they? I think they're doing the last run, and uh, I think the reason they're doing that because I think Christopher Daniels, Christopher Daniels is like 52 years old. This guy is just he's about he probably wants to hang it up by now. I mean, it was nice seeing them team up with the Young Bucks. The only problem I have with this match is the acclaim. I think they push the acclaim too fast. Um, they should have given them more time on, on AEW Dark. Yes, they were, I think, A and 1. They were, like, in, undefeated for, like, eight weeks. But here's the problem I have with this. You got a team like, a, uh, what is it, TH2? Yeah, TH2. That team should be pushed uh, much better than they, what they're being pushed now in AEW. Because if you remember, uh, Angelico, he wrestled Lucha Underground for many, I think, for, for a couple of years. He's a great technician he's a master of of leg locks and all kinds of submission moves jack evans is a great high flyer but now you mix them up there with the acclaim the acclaim is still too green to me i mean these guys are not they're 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 pretty good i think they're not at they should have been ranked number five at all i think top flight is a little bit better than them um because they they you know they got more i guess high high flying skill whatever I just don't like, I don't, I don't know, it's just that match, I don't think why they even put that as far as for for eight-man tag. Again, SCU, I see them breaking up. I think somewhere down the line, they're going to lose to someone. And I, I probably, I could, we could even see uh, Christopher Daniels going at the, uh, going at it with, um, with Kazarian. And uh, probably in a loser leaves wrestling match, you know, retirement match. I could see that happening. You know, that's a better that's a better way to go let them go out not lose a match and now they're not teaming up no more well this is the thing to say there's loads of great teams in AEW would be an understatement as well you can see it from the kind of open match here i felt sorry for nxt with the uh, dusty cup trying to scramble to get uh, 16 teams together when in AEW that would be easy but then maybe sometimes having too many teams like you said spoils it because they might put another team ahead of, uh, of one that we think they're not quite ready yet um, but Jericho on commentary is a joy and obviously he's got a job when he retires um, and then next was the return of John Moxley and Excalibur noted that it was weird to see Moxley without the AEW title yes. in his hand which mm-hmm. is bang on and uh, he said you may expect me to come out here tonight cussing up a storm screaming bloody murder about the events that transpired on December 2nd complaining doesn't matter sometimes all you can do is take it on the chin and stare down at adversity and don't look back down an inch so, no, I ain't going nowhere. But what do you do with Kenny Omega and that guy he's hanging around with who looks like a used car salesman? I have zero tolerance for shitty people. Um, he said, I would get involved in the main event, but Ray Phoenix has a chance at the belt tonight, and he worked 13 years for this opportunity. Kenny, just remember, I will get even and then some. And when I do, um, you're not going to see it coming. I will be in your blind spot, Kenny. I am your boogeyman. This was a fantastic promo from Mox responding we wonder what he's going to be like without the uh, the AEW World Title, and he's just as good, really. Well, they, he's he's probably going to still go after Kenny. 
He'll probably wrestle Kenny again at Revolution, unless they have a match a beach break. Um, but that's going to be the challenger for now for Omega. Um, I still think that there's other people involved with because they still. I mean, remember uh, Moxley got jumped a couple of weeks before he uh, defended that belt with Omega. Now the question is, who did it? I mean, there was rumors going around that it was Kenta from New Japan that came and attacked him because Kenta's been calling him for that United States title shot that he that he has the the contract for. But we all know that it wasn't Kenta because Kenta is not, you know, um, at that time, they, they still were doing the World Tag League and they were in, um, uh, I think there was no flights between Japan and the United States. Because I think New Japan has their own personal plane, like private plane. Um, so I, 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 I know that Tamatanga was still in Florida and I know Kenta is in Florida, lives in Florida, his family's in Florida. So who, who knows? Maybe he'll show up. And, and show up at an AEW event and claim he was the one who attacked him. Or it could be the Good Brothers who probably attacked him. So so right now, Omega has the uh, the challenge of the, the guy that he has to wrestle, you know, which I don't see Moxley beating him, but that's going to be the guy he's probably going to end up wrestling, either a Beach Break or um, Revolution. It'll be interesting to see what they do after, like you said, the uh, the obvious rematch coming up. We then have Jake Hager uh, versus uh, Wardlow. Uh, the inner circle's watching for the match from the top of the ramp. Wardlow and Hager, two big Matt Trucks, the immovable object, hitting the unstoppable force. It's Godzilla versus King Kong, Jericho said. Lockups and actual wrestling. We then see Wardlow hit a release German suplex on Hager. Hager managing to get out. And then put a head and arm trail on Wardlow, but he hit the rope. They climbed to the second turnbuckle with Hager having Wardlow in the head and arm triangle again. Wardlow countered by dropping him down. And he follows up with the F10 and he pinned him. Um, all it took was one small miscalculation. And Wardlow, to the match, a sign of respect, Wardlow and Hager fist bumping uh, one another. Uh, I think Wardlow showed some impressive speed. And this was a very enjoyable match. It was more enjoyable than it should have been, really. Yeah, I think they 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 um I like the fact the way they they um like they they um promoted it, you know uh you know the movable optic against the, the, the immovable force whatever. I I was surprised. I thought Hager was gonna win it because Hager, I mean when you see him wrestle now as of late, he's like more like a strong style type of wrestler and whatnot. But Warlow for the let me put it this way for Warlow to do the F10. On Hager, that was impressive enough. I mean, and, and Warlow has keep um, impressing me. This guy, he's the future of, of AEW. Um, I think he needs to stay away from MJF. But, again, I think there's going to be a, some type of breakup between them two. Not right now because they're focusing a lot on the inner circle. Or they're going to break up or they're not going to break up. You know, so, but Warlow, you know, that, you know, I love the fact that Hager pretty much, uh, you know, took the pinfall just you know to to push warlow a little further up as far as you know in the in the uh pecking order should we say yeah so it's like it's something we complain about with wwe all the time and and aw doing it and yeah we go always oh, is uh wardlow ready but at least he's getting the opportunity now and it is a big deal you know hey uh you know is, is relatively a kind of name so wardlow getting a victory was kind of um I wouldn't say a surprise as such, but I think, you know, a good result. And ahead of next week's main event, 
It was the TNT title weighing uh, Darby Allen and, of course, Brian Cage. Um, <laughs> Darby Allen had his skateboard and a brand new TNT championship belt with him. Um, and then Tony Schiavone was there to the weigh-in. Um, £272 was Brian Cage. Uh, Darby was £170. Um, first of all, what the TNT title? Well, the TNT title now? Oh, pff, that title looks beautiful now. You know, I mean... I think, yeah. The red, the, I mean, when it had the red belt, you know, I, I, there was something missing on it. I don't know what it was. I think they needed probably another plate, or I don't like, I didn't like the design of the of the word TNT. I don't know. It looked like, now with that black strap, it looks way better. I love it. I love the strap, you know, and it matches with um, Darby, you know? Yeah, I, I think it really, really, uh, you know, I mean, matches the, the kind of character now. Well, Taz says this feud is nine months in the making, but in reality, I've been dealing with shit like you my entire life. All I see ends tonight. Uh, so let's get to the fun part, said Darby Allen to Taz. Um, Taz then said, you had a chance, Darby. And then just looks like it was going to uh, kick off Sting's music. Hit and the call set began to snow in Jacksonville as Sting walked out. And Taz said, I'm telling you, Darby, this we are crowning <laughs> Brian Cage next week, the new TNT champion. I thought that was brilliant from Taz. I actually felt from a little bit. Yeah, Taz, Taz is a great, a great uh, promo guy. He helps a lot the uh, the group itself because you, you notice this Brian Cage has been there. He don't talk much on the mic. He's not good at the mic. So Taz, you know, uh, is, is is a good spokesperson for the group. Uh, and yeah, you know, he makes it seem real. Like you know, hey, I'm tired of this shit. You know, uh, Stinky coming out and uh, Darby, you you you're done next week. And you know, so it makes him real exciting because by this point, you know, you keep asking yourself, okay. Stinky coming out, now what? You know, he yeah. wasn't doing anything. So um, at that point, I remember saying on my, on my podcast that week, I was like, okay, you got the guy coming out every week, and he's doing the same thing. So is he going to get physical, or he's not getting physical? So, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was something to look forward to because at that point I thought uh, Brian Cage was winning the belt because, I mean, but the thing, again, with Brian Cage, I don't think they – I don't, I don't know if you agree with me, but I think personally they're underutilizing Brian Cage. This guy's a monster. Why is he not being pushed harder than that? And why is he walking around with a belt that, you know, they brought it out, but they're not, they're not even recognizing it as a, you know, a major. When I first saw it, I said, okay, that's another title. Guys could go for it, whatever. They're not doing nothing with that belt. No, not even if it was kind of like they like said squash matches or something like that to kind of just say that I am defending my title every week yeah. and, and kind of play off the fact that, you know, you're a TNT champion. You should be defending every week and I'm doing this, you know. But again, I think they've done quite well. But like I said, Brian Cage is I, I look at him. I think, how has WWE not signed him or didn't sign him? Or he's just got that kind of look of if he was on Raw, he'd be destroying just, Five love the entire you know the smaller division it, it'd be on top where whereas maybe in AW there's maybe not enough positions on the you know upper to to main event style at this moment time it's like uh, Lance Archer I mean how impressive has he been and again it's like are they using him enough are they using him right you know well here's my thing with uh, Brian Cage he probably figured. He didn't sign with WD because he figured, he probably, you know, again, these wrestlers getting in contact with each other. They know each other. They're in different promotions. 
I'm sure he must know somebody back there. And I think Brian Cage at one point did try out for WWE and they never took him. So, uh, you know, some of these guys feel some type of resentment like towards WWE. They figure, well, you know, I busted my butt to get here. You called me for a trial. I do the trial. You still don't take me. And now that they, he he got big in the independent scene and he was an Impact World Champion, now you're interested. And then some of these guys be like, well, you know what? I, I don't, I'm not signing with you guys. I could go to AEW, get the same amount of money, you know, uh, probably more because Tony Khan is much richer than Vince McMahon. You know, that's a well-known fact. Um, and he probably figured they're going to give me the money I asked because they're trying to build a, a, a promotion. And, you know, and he's going to go for the money. But at the same time, think about this. I think he showed up in the middle of the summer of last year. I think it was like in June. Now, let's say if he would have signed with WWE. Would he? By by I think by August, he would have been in Titus Catering by now because they would not use him. WWE just promotes the same people that's been there. They're not going to push guys like him who made himself in the indies because it's not a Vince McMahon creation. And that's the way Vince, uh, Vince McMahon WWE thinks. So I think with him signing with AEW, and I'm sure I'm sure WWE probably offered him some good money. And oh, he probably already made it up because it was when he lost the belt to Sammy Callahan. I think it was, uh, oh, my God, uh, uh, the, the pay-per-view in October, the impact highs. I remember glory. when he hurt, yeah, when he tore his uh, bicep, his he put that he, uh, I, I think some, I think it was Russell Talk claimed that he was ready to sign with AEW. His wife tried to block it, made it on all, you, you don't know nothing, blah, blah, blah. But where was he going to go, you know? We all knew he was going to AEW because the, there was already talk before the first um uh, double or nothing that he wanted to be part of that, but Impact didn't want to send no because they didn't want to, in case he didn't win the Battle Royal, they didn't want their champion looking foolish. Well, back to Dynamite, we see MJF backstage uh, talking to Hager, and Hager said, You almost got dropped when you walked in here, but you're cool. Thanks for checking on me, which is quite nice. And then we see Michael Stunt, uh, and he's saying that he's going to be part uh, and face of the tag team and face FTA next week and then we have the American Nightmare Cody Rose with Snoop Dogg versus Matt Seidel uh, of course Cody Rose came out with Snoop Dogg and a remix version of his Dimensions theme we see Seidel attempting to shoot star press but Cody pulled up his knees and then grabbed him with a reverse DDT so they'll charge him with crossface like submission on Cody after Cody escaped he blasted Matt with a lariat knocking both of them to the floor Cody missed a pump kick as Seidel timed it but Cody followed up with a disaster kick he then hit um the crossroads, not once, but twice for the victory. And then afterwards, Luther Serpentico, Casper Chip jumped in the ring after the match and sold Cody. And uh, the faces fought them off. And then Snoop Dogg uh, went up to the top and they're calling it a frog splash. I'm not going to call it a frog splash. Uh, but he covered him and then Snoop Dogg counted to three. What were your thoughts on the match? I thought it was a really good match with Cody and Sidell. What about the after match shenanigans? Um... Before I say, uh, fix the microphone because the microphone sounds a little uh, like distorted. I think you're having the electrical problem again. This match was pretty good. It was pretty good. It was decent. It just, uh, how you call it? I think Matt Seidel did a couple of botches. I mean, I know he did something. He slipped. I forgot what he was doing. Let me let me go to my notes here because I I know that I keep my notes because I figure I probably will. Uh, yeah, he botched. He botched the move, um, and. And, you know, I think, I don't, I don't know what's going on with Matt Seidel. Matt Seidel used to be a crisp, 
type of wrestler back uh, when I used to watch him um, in um, New Japan, in uh, WWE, when he was uh, Evan Bourne. Uh, the match was decent. Um, now, the funny part is they 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 added Serpentico and um, uh, Luther in it. I mean, I don't know what was that all about, uh, but I guess once they we found out after the match where we saw it wasn't a frog splash, it was a bone splash. It was all it was saw, <laughs> it was a flop. <laughs> it was horrible. He went up there. You could tell he was scared to death because. He's a Snoop Dogg is he has to be around six feet something, six feet three, six foot four. Now, if you never stepped in the ring and try to do any type of high uh, high risk maneuver, you could tell because he just <laughs> my God, where he jumped off, he jumped off like help, you know, and all you saw was like bones. I was like, oh my God, that is the worst. Frog splash I ever seen in my entire life in wrestling, but I guess it was just oh, this match pretty much. If you really thought about it, it was a decent match, but it was all to promote that the big show, the big show that they have, and that's a, that's what it was all about. But they, I think probably Snoop Doggy Dog just wanted to do that little part, you know, just to get it out of the bucket list. Yeah. It was crazy. Bone I splash. Think- I think Cody has shown that he can work with anyone that's constantly adding strings to his bow. And like I said, even uh, coming up on Dynamite fighting, I suppose his jobber again, it doesn't matter where you are on the card, he's going to try and have a good match. And then we have the AEW Women's World Championship match next. It's uh, Hiroku Shida versus Limited Girl Abaddon. Uh, and Abaddon ambushed Shida as Shida was making her entrance. Shida smacked her right in the forehead with a kendo stick. But she sat right back up like it didn't bother her. Uh, she yeah. tried for the running knee lift, but she got bit into Sheeda's thigh. And uh, Abdomen then got Sheeda under the ring, out of view for the referee and anyone else. She then crawled back out, and there was blood spilling out of her mouth, and it wasn't hers. Sheeda finally crawled back out, clutching her neck in intense pain. She covered. Uh, Sheeda got covered, but able to get her shoulder up. Um, Sheeda managed to take down. Abaddon with a frog splash off the second rope to the arena floor. She then wrapped her head into the steel barricade and a suplexed her back in the ring. She bridged up in a freaky fashion and now she with a and she power through the pain and hit a running knee, scoring the pin. Um, the storyline leading into this, I don't think the title should be attached to it. And she the winning, I didn't think helped trying to build that monster. Yes. You know what? You're right. I agree with you because if you're going to, like, like I felt like Abaddon, they, you know, when she first came out, when I ever first saw her, I said, wow, this girl, you know, is, is it looks like someone who's going to give Sheeta a hard time. They didn't, I don't know, they didn't promote her or they didn't push her the way she was put, supposed to be pushed. They made her look like a, a Undertaker slash Bray Wyatt. Cause she did the spider walk at one point and I was like, what the hell? Like, and then they try to do the blood thing. They, they, they took it to a uh, machine to base the bit Becky Lynch in the neck and the blood was coming out. But yeah, you see that there was no cut coming out of Sheeta's neck. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is not, th- this match did not do no favors for Abaddon at all. If, if anything, it killed her character. Yeah. That's the way I see it. Because you know, yes, she looked like a, a, a formidable opponent, someone that could give her a hard time, but her time to shine in this match was nowhere to be seen. All she did was 
you know, it was cool the part where she got smacked in the forehead and she did some Undertaker crap and got back up. Uh, the thing that really, like, I was like, oh, this is not working, was the part when she bit in her neck and went under the ring and came back with blood, a lot of blood coming out, but then you don't see hardly nothing on Sita. And it didn't look, it didn't look believable. If you want to give something to somebody, you got to make it look believable. Yeah. You know, and this match did not do no favors for Abaddon. And she should not get another title shot at all. Well, I said earlier, poor um, NXT with a dusty classic trying to get tag teams together. I'll say here, poor AEW with the amount of talent and the building of the women in NXT. Uh, if we just call, talk about NXT compared to AEW, that's not even bringing the WWE's kind of women into it. It is weird how they're kind of treated. Uh, but it's on to our main event for the AEW World Championship. It's uh, Kenny Omega. Versus Ray Phoenix and uh, Kenny connected with a swing of DDT on Ray Phoenix, but Phoenix popped right out. Omega on the outside of the ring. Omega repeatedly rammed Phoenix into the barricade. Ray Phoenix hopped over the steel barrier and then tried for a cut on Omega, but Omega caught him and countered with a snap dragon suplex. He then picked up Ray Phoenix and smashed him down on the ring apron. Uh, he used a Katara Crusher on Phoenix for a near fall. Omega counted Phoenix's Tornillo with a rising knee, a powerbomb, and then a V-trigger, but Phoenix managing to kick out. And then Omega used another V-trigger and then tried for the Wongian Angel, but Phoenix counted with a reverse hurricane runner. Don Callis distracted Phoenix for a moment, and Omega used the opportunity to hit another V-trigger. They were both charged up with Jen and Lowe, and Phoenix used an outside in-cutter to stun Omega, and then followed up with a Thunder Driver for a near fall. He tried for a Fog Splash, but after being warned by Callis, Omega lifted his knees up, and then he caught Phoenix and planted him with a Tiger Drive in IA. He followed up with a one-winged angel and pinned Ray Phoenix in an absolutely fantastic match. Oh, man. That, that, I Listen, it's funny because I saw Wrestle Kingdom, and I already had named like four matches that are uh, match of the year candidates. And this one will make a Phoenix match of the year candidate. I still haven't watched the Triple Mania match uh, that they had before this. Uh, because I think it was a week or two weeks after this. But this match was awesome, man. Ray Phoenix uh, keeps impressing me. I mean, especially the part where uh, Omega was trying to hit him with the, with the one-wing angel, and he goes and changes it to a, a poison hero Karana. I mean, the guy is, is great. He's, I mean, he's he could be out there as one of the greatest luchadors in the future. I mean, this guy... You know, he is great. Omega, of course, Omega could work with anybody. Omega will make anybody. He can make a broomstick look good. That's how great he is. Um, but this was this match was awesome, man. It was awesome. It was. It was a fantastic matchup. But then something terrible would happen backstage. Packham, Pentel Zero were shot by the Butcher and the Blade with Eddie Kingston looking on laughing. Keeping his word from earlier night, John Moxley came to the ring with a barbed wire baseball bat and hit Omega in the abdomen from a home run. Guys and Anson, the Impact Tag Team Champions, jumped over the barricades, invaded the ring, hit Moxley from behind. They smashed Moxley with the Magic Killer. They stomped on him. Um, Brian Pillman Jr. and Griff Gallows ran to the ring. Haven't seen enough, but Anson and Gallows knocked him out of here quite easily. And then they picked Moxley up, so Megan hit him again and again with the base bat. The Young Bucks sprinted to the ring and tried to talk reason. And then all of a sudden, they put up the famous hand sign, and the Bucks joined in with them. It was too sweet. Um, unbelievable, said Excalibur. After that match and that moment there, it was kind of shocking, a little, even though obviously the relationship, but I kind of wasn't expecting it. Uh, yeah, I, I, I wasn't expecting it either. But 
But it left me wondering, was this, is this really going to be like the new Bullet Club, Bullet Club Union, because of Matt Jackson's face? Like, it looked like he didn't really want to do it. And, I mean, but then again, this is what AEW does. If you leave, and, and this is what WWE should be doing, too. You got to leave cliffhangers every week because then you're going to want to see it. You know what I'm saying? Now, this whole thing, nobody expected this, you know? I mean, no. somewhere, somehow, I expected the Good Brothers to show up, but I didn't, know, I, I didn't expect them to show up in this uh, uh, match between Omega and Phoenix. Um, so, I mean, this is a great setup for a lot of – I mean, they could – AEW could run with this as far as they could from here to June, you know what I'm saying, or July. Yeah. And, and 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 then you know the fact that they're now you got impact you got the impact tag team champions in an AEW event, you know. Now most likely, I mean, we're gonna end up probably seeing it. It's gonna probably be the Good Brothers versus the Young Bucks, and I see it. And I think I mentioned this in the uh, in December. I could see uh, the Young Bucks versus the Good Brothers on uh, on, on Revolution. I mean, if they did, that would be a fantastic matchup. And like I said, we've seen. They're kind of put in place now, and like with AEW, they kind of usually always go back. It was a fantastic first night. The only disappointment was the women's, but what an impact the Good Brothers made. Um, but up next, we had Impact Genesis, which January 9th. We had the first round of the Super X Cup. We had Ace Austin defeating Suicide, yet another distraction for Fulton and Austin to catch Suicide with the fold for the win. We had Blake Christian defeating Casey Navarro. Christian had a net break from the ropes and finished with a twist and splash for the win. Cousin Jake defeated Davari. Davari targeted his opponent's legs, applying the figure four, but Jake made it to the ropes to break the hold. He recovered. Then a black hole sound reminiscent of Abyss for the win. And then we had Crazy Steve defeating Trey Lamar. Steve delivered another side rushing leg sweep to submission, but Lamar countered his submission on his own and then escaped to try for a top rope. Third, and Steve delivered a diamond DDT for the win. And then in the semi-finals, we had Ace Austin defeating Cousin Jake. Jake drove Austin to the mat for a near fall, but Austin showed guts in kicking out a two. The fight continued for ringside back in, where Austin delivered a fold from out of nowhere. And then Blake Christian defeated Crazy Steve. Christian hung Steve up on the top rope, delivered a 450 splash. Freak out late, the young upstart scored an upset to advance to the final. I mean, folks, all open matches were about three to three and a half. Nothing horrible, but nothing, you know, standard or special, really. These weren't too bad, much more hard-hitting than expecting. And then we had Jazz versus Jordan Grace, and Jazz delayed her retirement one more time. So it's Jordan Grace, a partner in a Knockouts Tag Team Championship Tournament in singles competition. Um, what are your thoughts on Jazz? She really is a legend, isn't she, you know? Uh, listen, uh, Jazz was the NWA Women's Champion for nearly two years. And the only reason she didn't, does, didn't have that title was because she vacated it because of health reasons. When she was at NWA, no one could beat that woman. That woman's been around since ECW days. And we're talking about 1997. I think she was, I forgot who was the group that she used to be part of. But the woman could go. The woman could go. I don't know. She must be in her 50s probably by now. And the woman could go. And and if you see her, and if you see her impact fighting at Jordan Grace, Jordan Grace is like the future of the woman wrestling. This girl could go also. So, I'm very impressed that this woman, Jazz, still going into the ring uh, after all these years. I mean, it's been 23 years when I I think she first uh, debuted, or probably longer, and she could still go. I mean, much respect to her, man. 
Well, I remember seeing her in ECW, and I mean, she looks like a ripped Ghostbuster still now, you know, like that. That's the kind of look. It was hard hitting, uh, but like I said, I wish it was a bit more decisive. Uh, we see Jazz delivering a slingshot in the corner, added some jabs, called a schoolgirl roll up. Uh, moments later, she counted the roll up from Jazz into one of her own for the win. Again, I wish it was a little bit more decisive, but the right woman won. And we see a nice sign of respect. I gave it a 3.75 out of 5. And then we get a Super X Cup final. Ace Austin versus Blake Christian. And despite benefiting exponentially from the detraction provided by his bodyguard, Madman Fulton, Ace Austin sent Fulton to the back. We see the babyface try for the twisted splash, but missed. Austin went for the fold, but Christian counted into roll-up. As soon as the roll-up's near falls and insured, give way to a badger strikes from both men. Counters and reversal culminated in Austin delivering the fold to win the match and the Super X Cup. Uh, final itself the story of this tournament was the underdog, but of course Ace Austin coming through. I was impressed by him. What are your thoughts on Ace Austin, the Super X Cup winner? Let me, let me uh, and and I said this I think about when they gave the belt. I think it was in the summer to Eddie Edwards. I was I was one of the guys that was really critical about what Impact was doing. I said I didn't understand. What they were doing, they were giving the belts back to the old guys who held in the past. Meanwhile, you got a guy like Ace Austin, who I've seen him wrestle in MLW. I've seen him wrestle in independent shows. I've seen him in Impact. And meanwhile, this guy is he's improving every every year. And I'm not saying, why is Ace Austin not the world champion? Man, forget about the X division. This guy could probably, I mean, I'd rather have him as an Impact world champion than Riss One. You know, I think when I see Rich Swan with that belt, I'm like, you're not world title material, brother. I mean, all respect, yeah, you got great maneuvers, but you could tell who's a world title material and who's not. And Ace Austin, uh, they, they're not – this is the part that I don't understand why Impact has not put that belt around him. I mean, he could he could go places. Yes, he got Matt, uh, Matt, Matt Fulton, whatever, but that guy and the way he talks on the mic, the way he does everything, his wrestling skill, his – High high risk maneuvers. The guy, he's the perfect ten. He could carry, he could carry that promotion. And I think the fold as a finisher is great because he can find various ways of hitting it. I did wonder if they could get a smaller cup for him to hold because I thought it was just ridiculous the size of it. That cup, uh, that cup looked like something that you buy in 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 a, in a dollar store. You know, what I'm yeah. saying those little gift shops. I'm like, I saw that this weekend. I was like, what the hell is that? And I always enjoy uh, tournaments, but the winner got nothing, not even a number one contendership match. Even well, the he, they should have. Uh, and that's what I was, I was, I was thinking. I'm like, I thought the Super X Cup winner gets a shot at the at the at the X Division title. Josh Matthews even said on commentary, he goes, and the winner of this tournament should go to uh, Scott Lamore uh, uh, and ask him for a number one contendership match. We're going. We just beat three men. Surely winning the tournament would give you the shot. But, hey, it's the little things, you know. Um, the tournament wasn't too bad, though. And then the main event was an I quit match. Moose versus uh, Willie Mack. And of course, Willie Mack was a victim of referee stoppage. Made him to issue the challenge to Moose for an I quit match. Um, what are your thoughts on Moose and uh, Willie Mack? Oh, let me start with Willie, uh, Willie Mack. Willie Mack. I mean, you're going to – Willie Mack is a pretty good wrestler. I mean, do I see him as a guy who could carry a promotion? Nah. He's more of a mid-card wrestler. Um, I mean, he could hold a mid-card title. Now, Moose – and me and my roommate were talking about this. Moose has improved so much to where the first time I saw him in Ring of Honor, a guy had just started – you know, he came from the football field, NFL – 
and now he was in wrestling. He he was so green. I remember seeing him do moves, and I'm like, oh, this guy needs more. I need to train him more. But what I saw this weekend out of moves, this guy has evolved in only what probably two or three years, or probably longer, four. Moose is Moose is a beast. A guy in that TNA belt that he's walking around. At first, when I saw him with that belt, I'm like, uh, you know, you're walking around with a prop. That don't mean nothing. But he can make that belt back come out again, TNA, and make it worth, you know, to what it is. Uh, Moose is the future. I could see him. As a matter of fact, I could see him beating Rich Swan for the Impact World title and him and Omega go at it, champion versus champion. That would be a great is, match. The thing is, with even with the TNA uh, world title, it's exactly the same. Well, it even might mean a little bit more than the the title that Brian Cage has got. You know, like kind of the, the FTW title, because he's at least saying that he's the king of TNA. You know, and it's like he might not be defended, but he, he, I think it's a statement of intent, which I quite like. And uh, Matt dominated the early minutes of this match, but Moose refused to say. We see a slam onto the outside. The, back of the mats which was absolutely sick and then Willie scaled the ropes for a third vlog splash but Moose hopped up fueled by adrenaline and cut his opponent perched atop the ropes Mac hammered away at Moose the hills raked his eyes though and delivered a go to hell through a table on the way to the floor and you know when sometimes you watch him wrestling and you know and I actually went fucking hell what a bump I was like, Whoa. <laughs> yeah yeah one of those one of those um moves yeah you were like oh and then uh, moose introduced a number of chairs into the ring um and then just as he was just absolutely brutalizing mac um rich swan came out and said what do you want i'll give you a shot uh moose said all right well, if you're gonna give me a shot thank you i quit so the, the show went off the air with moose having achieved what he set out to even though um, Mac obviously won the match officially. Uh, it was a brutal and intense match, and Moose looked the part. The punishment dished out was ridiculous. It was an interesting finish, um, but again, the the person was, like I said, Mac's bump was absolutely unbelievable. And the last man standing match, I think, got the match of the night, an 8.25 rating out of uh, 10. And then we move on to the impact results from January 12th. And, of course, we see... Um, have you seen any of the adverts with Tony Khan and Tony Schiavone in them? I've seen some of them. I I, I know a lot because they, they look like they invade the the uh, the show and then they start talking about what's coming on Wednesday, the day after. And uh, he's, he, I laugh because he says, Impact could use Kenny Omega. I could use an injunction, but I'll let you have um, Omega. But I think it's... it's, it's it, it goes to show you that they are really working. It's just not for, it's probably not a short partnership. That's the way I'm looking at it. It's not a short partnership. I think it's going to be longer than that. And the fact that they're allowing Tony Khan to come to their show and promote AEW the next day, because it's like they're helping each other, which is great. But my problem with Tony Khan is like, he's sporting a goofy 2021 sunglasses and he's playing the hill and he's saying stuff like, uh, did you know uh, Brian Cage used to be a, at Impact World Champion. Well, tomorrow night he gets the kind of biggest opportunity. Now, I don't really mind it, but the thing is, I don't want him to start kind of being a mark for himself, so to speak. Don't Tony is done with AEW, and the position he's in is brilliant. I don't want him to become like an Eric Bischoff type or, God forbid, a Vince Russo and start no, pushing no, himself no, I, I, on I, I, don't, I don't see it that way. I, I think 
if you heard, um, uh, what was it? Um, Tony Schiavone Wednesday, they were talking about the hard to kill pay-per-view, but he didn't mention it hard to kill. He said, he said to the event, oh, they, they having this pay-per-view, the dead to rights or dying here, but he didn't say hard to kill. So it's, it's, it, it's like AEW, they're trying to make themselves like the heel guys. And, and I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's more to, to, um, I guess to have impact fans like, oh, look at these guys, you know, Tony Khan, we don't like him, you know what I'm saying? But by them, if you could have people react to it, right, they're going to go and still watch the show because even though they don't like it, they're still going to watch the show. That's more people watching um, the product. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to take your word for it. I'm going to take your word for it now. But if he starts <laughs> booking himself to win the AEW World title in six nah, months, nah, nah, I don't think, nah, I don't think that's happening. No, nah, um, I think Tony Khan won't do that. I think the the only reason he's doing that is to give viewers because he has to. The way I look at it, he has to act that way. Like he's cocky, you know. He's he's the remember AEW Impact. Impact, yes, they got a backing of Anthem, but. Tony Khan is richer than Vince McMahon. Remember that. Uh, he's he got a back, uh, an amount of money, so he's the one, the millionaire from the whole wrestling industry. Even though his company is new, but at the same time, by them doing those promos and then Tony Schiavone acting like a like an asshole, you know, what I'm saying they're gonna make whether you know the fans of Impact like, oh look at these asshole. I don't like Tony Khan. Look at this fat Tony Schiavone. They're still gonna watch the show. They're trying to get. People from Impact, they watch Impact on Tuesday to come watch the product on Wednesday because now they're going to sit there. They're expecting somebody from Impact to pop up. You know what I'm it's saying? It's, 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 the, it's the old Conor McGregor thing of, um, I don't know if anybody's fan of MMA listen to this or UFC, it's half the people will pay to watch him win and the other half uh, will watch him get beaten. Exactly. And and matter of fact, I'm glad like you used... I'm glad you use a, a Conor McGregor, but that's what Conor McGregor does. Conor McGregor will talk shit and will talk a lot of whether he wins or lose. He's still going to bring that fan base. There's going to be people that want to see him get to lose, and there's going to be people that want to see him win. So I think what Tony Khan, you know, supposedly taking advertising, you know, minutes to promote the show, it's still going to – it's a win-win situation because now – remember, now – Whatever happens in AEW with an Impact wrestler like the Good Brothers, whatever, people are still going to go and watch the uh, Impact. Let me see what happens now. Even though if Kenny Omega doesn't show up or the Good Brothers, but they're still going to watch. Well, we move on to the main event of Impact, which is Rich Anderson. We get an early back and forth, giving way to Anderson, taking control by targeting the arm of his opponent. He's since fallen to the steel post, his shoulder cracking against the metal head into the break. The machine gun rocks one with a running boot for two. Swan recovered, shook off his arm injury and scored the win with a roll-up. But backstage, Gallows and Omega attacked Chris Saban and Alex Shelley until Swan and Anderson joined in on the fray. A brawl between the competitors ensured as the show went off the air. It was not a bad show. I am a fan of Swan. Uh, I did think he was harshly treated. He's kind of released with WWE. I said earlier, you don't see him as a world champion. No, I, I don't. I don't. It, because I don't, I don't know. I know he was hurt for a while. He was out. I think for months because he got injured or something. Um, the way WWE, well, he kind of did himself in WWE because he got into some domestic violence situation and WWE let him go. You know, you know WWE. Yeah, but like, it was, it, it was. I mean, the, the, what happened? Because uh, I remember a couple of story. I mean, there was a couple of things, but there was an argument in the kind of, and, and it kind of makes me think that if you look at someone like Jeff Hardy, who's had so many incidents. For yeah, so but, many but, years, but but see, but they're not going to take a chances. See, Jeff Hardy, they're going to take. They're going to take the chances because they're going to go and try 
helped Jeff Hardy, whatever. But Swan, remember, WWE is a public company. So now, if Swan was not a well-known wrestler, so they're not gonna take the, the they're not gonna take the chance with him. They figure like he's just uh, you know he at that time he was a cruiserweight, a cruiserweight. He's not gonna make us money. They didn't see him as a big superstar that's gonna bring in money. So that's why they let him go. But he's shine. He has shine in the independent scene because I seen him in House of Glory here in New York City. I seen him in Impact. I seen him. I think I did. I see him in MLW. I think I saw him in MLW. So he's done well enough for me to for him to win titles. But I don't see him as a world champion. I mean, maybe because of his, maybe because of his body, he doesn't fit as a, a, a I mean, as a world champion because of his physique. I don't know. He's a good wrestler. Don't get me wrong. He had he had a great match. I think in uh, what was it uh, it's an anniversary a couple of years with John Morrison for the exhibition champion, which was a great match. Um, and even him beating John Morrison then, you know, showed me that okay he could hang with the big boys. I mean, maybe I have to see him more to get used to him with the world title. I mean, the title looks good on him, but I, I just don't see him. I, I think he's gonna end up losing that belt to Moose. Well, we'll move on January 14th, and it's New Year's Smash Night 2, and the show is where promo Freddie Kingston promising to bust Pack up so bad that he'll go home and never come back. So it's Eddie Kingston versus Pack. We get hot start action almost immediately to the floor where Pack uses Kingston's momentum against him. He fire, Kingston fires back at him and knocks him to the floor where the bunny rakes his face with her nails. It is a brutal match because you can see the redness of the shot. The bastard hit a superplex, but it's not enough. Boots in the corner, keep hammering Kingston. Uh, Eddie fires up, though, but Pack hits a sick kick in return. Kingston heads up top and then wins with the black arrow in post-match. Pat locks the brutalizer on briefly, but Bryce pulls him off and Death Triangle square up against Kingston's family. Lance Archer runs into play equalizer, runs the hills off. He draws at Pat telling him we better get on the same page before storming out. What were your thoughts on that opening segment? You know, uh, that match, that match, you could tell that Eddie Kingston hurt his left arm. He kept shaking it. Throughout the whole match, it wasn't Eddie Kingston like. I mean, it looked like Pac dominated him most of the match. It was like his timing was a little off. So I don't know if because he hurt his his left arm, and you can see it when you see the match. He's like, kind of like his his arm is kind of it's kind of limp. Uh, so it, it's kind of it's it's kind of limp. So um, but the match is good because Pac. I mean, this was. I mean, this was a match that was in the making for a while. Uh, I mean, I like the whole storyline, the way they set it up. I just feel that after the match, he put him in the brutalizer, and the fact that Lance Archer came out and um, pretty much um, st- kept telling Pac, no, he's mine, he's mine. I see those two guys going at it. I mean, it's going to be a mixed match because Pac looks like a little elf against a giant like uh, Lance Archer. Um but it's it, this these two are gonna go at it just for them to get that chance just to have one on one match again with Eddie Kingston. Well, the next match was Chuck Taylor versus Miro, and uh, Taylor blasts Miro from behind with forearms and taking him out of the ring with a clothesline. But Kip Sabian blasts Orange Cassidy at ringside. Taylor then takes care of him with a kick off the ropes, but the Bulgarian brute catches him with some iron drop. Punching combinations in the corner, overhead belly to belly. Miro is on a roll. We get a corner body avalanche and a spinning wheel kick. Calling for game over, you get the match kick, stomp to the back, game over, is locked in the middle of the ring, is over. He wins by submission, forcing Chuck Taylor to be his young boy. The Hills drag Chuck off while Orange Cassidy looks on. This is the Miro we need. This is the Miro we want. He looked like an absolute killer in this match. 
Yeah, definitely. He did look like a, like a killer. In there. I mean, I like what Chuck Taylor did. He tried to jump on him, get the, you know, started to the offense outside. I think he threw him against the railing at one point. But this is the, what the mirror that we were supposed to see when he first came in. I think it was in um, May or June, whatever it was. Uh, but it's a good storyline right now because now Chuck Taylor is like a young lion, like the young lions in Japan. Um, and this is a setup because now, being that Trent is going to be out probably four or five months, even though he doesn't need a, a, a pectoral surgery, but this now sets up a match between now the, uh, uh, what I say, a David and Goliath match between Orange Cassidy and Miro. Um, I mean, I do not want to see Orange Cassidy beating Miro because then you just kill his whole yeah. monster gimmick. Uh, but either I could see Miro just attacking Orange Cassidy to a point where the, he gets disqualified, whatever. But you got to make him look like a monster, an unstoppable guy. Like what I saw last Wednesday with him remind me what the the uh, his gimmick in WWE um, and when he first came out. Uh, so... You know, they got to continue it. They got to continue it. He needs to stay away from Kip Sabian. I don't, I don't like him yeah. teaming up with Kip Sabian. He, Kip Sabian makes him look a little weak, you know? But I, th- I think he looked the most comfortable he has done. No, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Since yeah. AEW. Uh, the next couple of skits we had uh, are quite enjoyable. I do quite enjoy the antics of the inner circle. And they're basically, um, Swag- uh, Hager wants championships. But, of course, everybody else is arguing uh, over everything else and saying who the number one team is. MJF and Jericho saying it's Slem. Um, obviously, uh, the team doesn't agree, so we get it official that it is going to be Ortiz and Santana going against MJF and Chris Jericho against uh, Hager and Guevara to be the official tag team of uh, the inner circle. Again, I think that's quite a good idea, you know? Yeah, and this is, this is perfect because I've been saying it since day one. Santana Ortiz with a, a, a hot commodity back in 2019. I mean, they had titles all over the independent scene. I mean, they had titles in House of Glory. They had titles in Impact, uh, even AAW. I mean, the guys that had like three or four titles, even they had titles in Puerto Rico. So here they come, and they come to AEW. They, they shocked the world in All Out uh, after the, um, the Lucha Bros and Young Bucks match. And then they joined the inner circle. They've been, I mean, they had a great match in the parking lot, bro, with the best friends, which I think I enjoyed it very much on that 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 um, segment. But after that, they have not been doing anything. And maybe this is the setup that's going to show that they're going to be the dominant tag team and they probably leave inner circle. They need to leave the inner circle. If they're going to explode and be a, a good tag team, I'm dying to see them wrestle FTR. I mean, you know how great that match was, FTR versus the what I call I still call them LAX, but now it's probably powerful. That would be a great match. Santana Ortiz versus Dax and, and, and Cash. Pfft, that that that's money right there. That's a pay per view match right there. I don't think they've done enough with Santana and Ortiz, and hopefully, like you said, this is the start of it. And then we get uh, backstage with the Dark Order, and um, Adam Page uh, is going to tag with them and going to see if he's going to join the stable. John Silver was absolutely phenomenal in this kind of uh, celebrating the fact that um, Paige is going to maybe be part of the Dark Order. We'll be back from commercial and we see a video package recapping the bill for Allen versus Cage, which is really well done. And then backstage, Kenny Mager, the Young Bucks and Don Callison it viewed. Cass overjoyed to see the band back together with all the belts, but he on separate entrances for the trio. 
Kearney makes his entrance and Callis gets on the mic saying it's uh, special because he introduces the tag team, well tag team champions, the Good Brothers. Uh, so then it's Danny Limelight, Varsity Blondes losing to Omega, Gallows and Anderson in very quick style. Even though the uh, faces did get heart attack, in, again, it was overdone with after the Magic Killer. And post-match, John Moxley made his entrance and attacks Omega, Gallows and Anderson tried to break him up. He gains the advantage and then briefly for the damn numbers game. Lucha Brothers make the save. Wrestling's pull out lottery to break things up as they fail. Mox dives into the crush. The young bucks come down. They squelch with Moxie, Gallows and Anson. They come back into the fray. Kenny Omega, Don Callis leave. And we go back to the pull apart. Um, what did you think? Because the young bucks not being announced, I didn't really do much for them. Yeah, I mean, to me, this is, like I said, this is a bigger storyline. I mean, like one week we saw the, big, uh, the good brothers come in. And then the Young Bucks joined them in the Too Sweet thing. Now, this following week, now they got played. Uh, the Good Brothers were the ones going to team up with Omega. Um, but one thing I'm going to say about their opponents, uh, Danny Limelight. That guy is a gem. I had him a couple of times on my show. This is a guy that, you know, he's good. I mean, I've been watching him in AEW Dark. I've seen him in California. Uh, what is it? Uh, oh, my God. Wrestling from Hollywood. Uh, I've seen him in a lot of other places, especially I, find, I, you know, I discovered him in New Japan Strong style. Uh, he's a New Japan Strong, and for him to be in that type of match with him and Omega, that's 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 a great thing for him. You know that they didn't win, but you know that's that's right there. That's a guy that I will tell you right now. You gotta watch. You gotta keep an eye on him because he's gonna be um, make noise. Um, as far as the whole thing with the Omega, the big brother, uh, the good brothers and Young Bucks, like I said earlier, that's a setup. That's a setup between them two going at a champion versus champion, either a uh, uh, beach break or or, or, re- or revolution. Because you know, and then the thing is, it's kind of confusing because they're doing the two sweet. They, they came in, I think. I think they came in with Bullet Club. Did they come in with Bullet? I know one of them had some Bullet Club stuff. So now it's, it's, it's riling up, it's stirring another pot in another promotion, which is New Japan. You see what I'm saying? So it's like this whole thing, yeah, it's crazy. But at the same time now, behind all this, okay, we're probably going to see the Young Bucks versus the Good Brothers. But it pretty much told you who are the next contenders to fight the Young Bucks for those titles. And that's the Lucha Bros because they super kicked them out of nowhere. So. They're the next challenges to uh, the Young Bucks. I think the Young Bucks will beat them uh, just because that's like the third meeting they have because they already had two meetings. One was for the AAA titles, uh, and I think the Young Bucks beat them at double or nothing, and then the Lucha Bros gained them back. So now the AEW t- titles are going to be on the line because the Lucha Bros, I think the Young Bucks will beat them, though. I think they'll probably have, have a face-off and beach break. He's there as well for Pack to gain a bit of momentum and uh, face Omega, possibly for the title as well yes. down the road, you know, mm-hmm. because obviously you've got the history there. So I think it makes sense. But we then get um, the waiting room with Britt Baker and Cody Rhodes is a oh, guest, God. but doesn't was, get uh, much. That was, uh, that was horrible. I am going to skip as quickly as possible. Yeah, uh, he doesn't really get to say anything. Uh, Thunder Rosa uh, is going to be back, and that was the main thing of the segment. That yeah, but did break. you see? Did you see the size and the height of that girl? She is taller than the whole roster. A girl's a monster. She reminds me of China. It, it was. 
when they got into when they got, I think was it Velvet? Yeah, Velvet stepped up to her, and Velvet was like a little kid fighting with her mom, and I'm like, what the hell? The girl's huge. Jade Cargill, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's felt it, it's the most kind of WWE thing I've seen on AEW television, if you know. It was kind she's, of she's as tall as Billy Gunn. <laughs> but uh, of course, like I said, the, the match is set. It is going to be uh, Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa yeah. at Beach Break on February third. So that will be our. I guess that will be our next AEW. You know why they, you know they didn't there. have that match? You know why they didn't have that match that week, right? With uh, Thunder Rosa, they were supposed to have it that this that week. It was supposed to be Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker, but supposedly, um, I think Rosa, Thunder Rosa, either got in contact with COVID or she had COVID. One of those. So that's why they didn't. Well, have that. Like I said, we are going to see that at um, Beach Break, which will be the next AEW special that we do. And then our next match is FTR versus Jurassic Express. And, of course, Stunt and Wheeler, uh, Marco Stunt in the match. Uh, he's to start, and he gets manhandled, um, and he's in a bit of trouble. But, obviously, we get the hot tag, comes in, looking good. But then Marco to the floor. Um, Tully Blanchard throws him into the ring post, and Jungle Boy chases him around the ring. Cash hits him with a lariat and throws him to barricade. A stunt back inside, tag made, and then the big rig on Marco stunt to get the victory. And then we move on to Serena D versus Tay Conte for the NWA World Women's Championship. Um, again, maybe not the, the the best match out there, but Serena D is a wonderful talent. Uh, she won with the detox to retain the the World Championship. Uh, what were your thoughts on the NWA World Championship match and? FTR at this moment in time as well. Um, the Tanya, uh, Tanya Connie and, and and Serena Deeves, uh, that match was pretty good. It shows you how much Tanya uh, Ty Conti, Tanya Ty Conti, has improved since she got there. I mean, Serena Deeves, I mean, she could have beat her. I mean, it looked like she was gonna beat her, and I was hoping she beat her, but. You know, I think she uh, the one part that I loved though about Serena Deep, she caught um Conti in the uh, on the top turnbuckle and put on a Gory special, Gory Guerrero special. I've never seen anybody do that. Um, so it shows you that Serena Deep is carrying carrying the women's division there. And the thing is, it's crazy because she's the NWA Women's Champion. So you know, you're helping the division, but you really represent NWA. So this is something that Sheeta should be doing. You know what I'm saying? And, well, and, yeah. and now, now that we, you know, that was the match right after the Britt Baker, you know, whatever. Uh, they should have not even put that. That's that stuff. That stuff like that. You should leave it at AEW Dark. That whole five minute, ten minute segment, you could add another woman's match. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, are you are they really really um invested in the women's division? You know. But Conti, she, she looks great all the time. The woman has an MMA background. Serena Deves, uh, I didn't even know that Deves trained Conti early in her career. So that was something that they mentioned in the in the match. So, I mean, it was a pretty good, decent match. And whenever you got Serena Deves in there or you got a Thunder Rosa in there and you got a Ty Conti, Anna Jay is another one that has improved so much from the time she came there. So you got a couple of females there that they could do a lot, but not everybody's in that level. You know? And when when your two biggest women stars of the past six months has been the NWA women, it shows that there's a slight problem. Oh, it's a big problem because there. even 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 right now, I could give you two women in there. Ivelisse. Ivelisse has been in the business for like 15, 16 years, 
But when I see her wrestles, there's botches in between. I'm like, what are you not doing? Uh, are you guys even practicing before these events happen? Because you got to have some type of chemistry when you're with somebody in the ring, you know? Uh, also, uh, um, what's the other guy? Diamante is another one. You see bodges and you'll be like, what the hell? We'll move on to the main event, and it's Brian Cage versus Darby Allen for the TNT Championship. Allen at the gates with a drop kick and a wicked suicide dive, smashing Cage's head into the barricade. Back inside, off the ropes again, another dive, but Brian catches him into a suplex on the floor. Back inside, military press. Cage press slams Darby over the ropes and to the floor through the timekeeper's table. Fucking hell. And another press slam takes Allen back inside. Brian just destroying him. As we see, Derby is busted wide open. Uh, we go to a break with Derby just surviving. Um, we then see Cage hitting an F5, but Derby gets the shoulder up at one. And then repeated power bombs. The last one, a release jackknife. Allen flips in the bird defiantly as Brian lifts him up uh, and hits an awesome bomb over the ropes and to the stage. Brian then hangs onto the ropes, but Allen bites his fingers and he falls onto the steps. We get a coffin drop off the top and into the steps. Back inside, uh, coffin top attempt. Darby bites him to escape, takes his belt off, standing diamond dust. Ties his feet together with a belt, sitting on his back, hammering with punches. He charged in. Brian is able to drop him and take the belt off him. That was a really, really nice exchange. Then we get a shotgun drop kick, a shotgun drop kick even connects up top for a double stomp. Um, and, but then we get Ricky Starks running interference and crotching Allen on the turnbuckles. The lights go down and Sting is here. He hits Starks with a baseball bat a few times. Cage is up on top, but Darby counters into an avalanche crucifix driver to retain the TNT a match this was. Yes, and, and, and the more I see Darby Allen, I mean, there was matches that I was, I mean, there was part of the match that I was like, I thought he was getting bent. He was getting up and the one count, not two count. He was getting up in one count in certain predicaments. And I was like, this dude, he impresses me, even though he doesn't have a body as a wrestler. He's very slim. Uh, but, you know, he really impressed me, especially the part when he was flipping the bird on Brian Case. It's like he's relentless. It's just the type of guy that I like, you know, that I will hang with, you know. Um, but and it's finally they used Sting to do something because I was like, Okay, he's coming out, and I knew he was going to use the bat. Um, but they finally used Sting. Now, again, you know, uh, uh, I want to know what other, what other things they're going to do with him. I mean, is he going to get – at one point, is he going to get jumped? Are they going to hurt him? I mean, can, how much bumps can he take? So that's something we still got to watch. But I, I like the whole match. I like the whole thing. I like the storyline between him and, and Darby Allin. Um, so, you know, now we'll see who's the next opponent. And um, but I'm sure Team Taz is not done with him. So most likely yeah. they'll probably be against Ricky Starks or, or or Hobbs. Yeah, I think we're looking at Revolution. It will be kind of Sting's, you know, teaming up with Allen to take on Team Taz, and we see where we're going for there. But like I said, rating wise, it's Dynamite uh, 762,000 viewers, uh, whilst NXT only averaged 551,000 viewers. So like I said, Dynamite is on a streak there. Uh, before Hard to Kill, there's a couple of uh, stories coming out of Impact Wrestling. Uh, Matt Stryker um, and D'Lo Brown are the new commentators taking over from Josh Matthews and Madison Rain. Josh Matthews and lo- has... And not to interfere, but I love that combination. It's better than Matt- Matthews and Rings because it was it, they were boring. <laughs> get on, we'll get on to that in a bit uh, about Matt Stryker. But uh, like I said, Matthews has signed a multi-year contract with Impact. 
he's still going to be uh, a part of it. Uh, and then, of course, the big, big news was uh, that the fact that Alex Shelley will not be on a show and he'll miss the event due to unavoidable circumstances. Uh, and, of course, uh, EVP Scott Damore has put uh, Moose into that matchup. What were your thoughts when you first heard that news? Yeah, it was very, very interesting. When I saw during the week that they changed the match, the, 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 well, they changed the competitors in the match, and I saw it was Moose. I'm like, how is that going to work when Moose is trying to get the title from from um, Swan? But, you know, I mean, again, it's I love the storyline they're doing with Moose again. And so I'm really looking forward. I was really looking forward to see not only the match, but now it's Moose versus Omega, you know, Rich Swan versus him. So it, it was it was cool. It, it was I was very excited. I was looking forward to it. Right, well, we start and we've had all this build up now. And we get on to it. It's January 16th. It's Impact Hard to Kill. On a pre-show note, Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers were not pleased about Moose's Alex Shelley's replacement. Don Callis hatched a plan. Moose still has two years left in his Impact contract. Callis can make those two years pleasant or rough. The Invisible Man left to speak with Moose. And then we see Brian Myers defeating Josh Alexander. Miles pulled down Alexander's headgear to escape an ankle lock. Myers blasted Alexander with big clothesline to win on the pre-show. Uh, I like Myers, uh, plus I collect rest of the figures, which, you know, also helps. He was wearing a Brody arm, uh, armband. The advert hurt the match a little bit. Um, I, I didn't mind the match, but I have got a note on the commentary, and it is striker can be a bit too smart for his own good sometimes. <laughs> well, I didn't get to see the pre-match because I put it exactly at 8 o'clock, but, well, my time over here. But the fact that you got... Um, well, also, well, I know him as Kurt Hawkins, whatever, beating Josh Alexander. I mean, is Alexander leaving uh, Impact? Because why would you even? Uh, that's a that's a, another guy in the, the future of, of Impact. You got him losing to a WWE guy. That makes no sense, you know. Um, the, you know, I, I I don't know. I mean, as far as Matt Striker, Matt Striker is a he's a student to the game. I mean, I, I don't think he wrestled for many years, uh, but. You know, he's a student of the game, and he'll – I like guys like that. I like guys that will go and tell you what's going on and gives you all the info you need. I mean, you know, many people may not like it, but I like I like his style uh, of, of commentating. I like – I don't mind the style. I just don't want to hear him referencing 370s bands. Do you know what I mean? It's like, let's focus <laughs> on the action. Don't yeah. be too, like I said, don't be too smart, you know. Yeah. Uh, we then get Madison Ray announcing her official retirement from professional le- wrestling – it was a lovely goodbye from her. She helped build the division from the ground. Yeah, up. yeah, that's true. She was one of, uh, she was one of the pioneers. I think she helped the bell like about two or three times. Um, so the, you know, when I see Madison Rain, it reminds me of the good old days of TNA Impact, and um, you know, uh, the beautiful people and all that stuff. Um, so you know, I mean, she's still young. You know, she she did a, a right move. You know, what I'm saying like she enjoyed her. Her, her her success, you know, and, and all the awards that came with it. And I wish her the best of luck. Well, we get the pay-per-view opens up with a video package of Kenny Omega, Don Callis, Doc Gallows, and Ken uh, Carl Anderson on AEW Dynamite. In the video, Alex said he says he won't be able to compete tonight. Moose will take his place. After watching the opening promo, I think Moxley is a replacement would have made most sense. But there was no way he was going to show up on Impact, was there? <laughs> no, I doubt it. But, you know, I, I love the whole Don Callis gimmick he's the invisible hand i love it uh, I, I mean you can't come up with nothing better than that um but i love the pa- i love the video package 
the beginning of the video package for the show, it it shows you this is what you got to expect. You know, this is coming pretty much telling you, look, uh, you got AEW world champion coming in to team up with your Impact world champion to go against some of you or some of your stars. So the whole video package and the whole promo with Don Callis in the back, it can't get any better than that. Without a doubt, Highway Studios for Matt Strike and D-Lo Brown has piped in crowds noise, and our first matchup is Decay versus Snell Dashwood and Caleb with a K. Uh, will the Hills on Tuesday impact with Crazy Steve and Rosemary reformed in Decay? The face painted duo kicked off the evening's festivities with a mixed tag team match against uh, Tennille Dashwood. Uh, rapid tags between Steve and Rosemary allowed them to keep Caleb unsettled. The social media maven though did prove useful in pulling down Rosemary by hair, allowing Tennille to take control of the match. Uh, a convoluted setup for mid proved costly and led to Rosemary tagging back into the match and tearing uh, into Dashwood. She sent the Australian flying across the ring for joining Steve for a choke slam on Caleb. She speared Dashwood for teeing off on Caleb. The hill answered with a kick to Rosemary's face for returning his attention to Steve. The twisted anti-hero spewed green mist into the eyes of her opponents and Steve finished Caleb with a jumping DDT to um, the win. What were your thoughts on that match? Well, and like I said on my podcast on Sunday, um, I did not know that Impact allows intergender matches where the guy could put his hands on the, on the female. I didn't know that. I did not know that. Um, I thought they only did that with uh, Tessa Blanchard and Sammy Callahan. After that, they didn't do it. The match itself, uh, to begin a pay-per-view, it wasn't all that. I, I was very disappointed to see Tennille Dashwood, how they're using her. And um, Crazy Steve looked good. I mean, Crazy Steve, I remember him from Decay when I bought a couple of well, seven years ago when he was with the Abyss. And so it's nice to see he's still around and um, he's gotten better. Um, the match was for beginning of a pay-per-view. Eh, it's a match I won't see again, I'll tell you that much. Well, this is the thing. I mean, it was... Uh... Not a bad way to start a show, but did this need to be on pay-per-view? Is this really the match that, you know, want to start everybody off? Dashwood has got style written all over her. Let's, have, let's hope a good uh, 2021. Overall, not a horrible match. I'm going to give that a three and a quarter out of five to start off. Uh, I'll, I'll give it a two. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> That's what I'll give it a two, because uh, what's killing me is uh, Caleb, he looks good. I mean, he gave Rosemary a super kick, and that's where I was... I, I, it left me thinking like when since when a male could do that to a female well, he super kicked the shit out of freaking rosemary <laughs> and and um and then what got me a little more disappointed was the way they lost like they taking pictures from the top row with cell phones and and then they get beaten and i'm like that don't make no sense it, it looked like something that wwe would do i think without a doubt uh prediction wise uh, I went Decay, so I'm one for one at this moment in time. Poll-wise, uh, they went for Decay, 82%. We then see a backstage segment of Don Callis, Kenny Megan, the Good Brothers arriving, slapping the papers out of a backstage crew member. And then we get an old-school rules match. Eric Young's crusade for changing the business began with the introduction of Joe Doring and continued with the indoctrination of Dina. Uh, the newly dubbed Violent by Design partnered to battle Tommy Dreamer, Rhino and Cousin Jake under old-school rules. Dreamer's tribute to Dusty was lovely, and it's good now that Dreamer is actually the same size as Dusty Rhodes. So. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, here's the problem I have with Tommy Dreamer. Any Tommy Dreamer match, any Tommy Dreamer match, you know for a fact somebody's either going to bleed or they're going to use a chair 
or they're going to use some crazy stuff. Now, the match itself wasn't bad because I never seen Joe Doring ever, uh, ever. I mean, and I follow wrestling all over the world. Supposedly, this guy won the triple count um, old Japan title in Japan. So, like that, and I like the way they they uh, promoted him. He's the hidden gem from pro wrestling, and the guy really impressed me. He got he got hit with with, with chairs from three different guys, and he still took it. And he impressed me. Eric Young looks like he's so happy. I don't know if it's me or he looks happy back at Impact. Uh, uh, who was it? Uh, another one they impressed cousin Jake. Cousin Jake is another one that that uh, I like his style. He looks good. And Diener, he looked like a maniac. So the match was pretty good. I, I like the the fact that um, Eric Young won that match with that power driver. But anytime you see Tommy Dreamer in a match and then with those polka dots, every time I see the polka dots, I'll be like, okay, here goes Dusty Rose. Uh, you know, and yeah, he's gotten big as a tank. I mean, but that's his style. That's it. That's it. That's the way. He created his um, legacy in the business. This is that's why he was all, all you know known for the for the entire of his career, a gimmick wrestler, type of guy who would go into these type of fights. Well, betrayed by his cousin Jake, came face to face with Dean after being slapped once more by his family. Jake teed off in a brainwashed baddie. He actually broke down from there. All six competitors pairing off. Um, the dominant defiant Do uh, Ring stood tall in the ring, daring the three bay faces to hit him with chairs. They teed off trying to eliminate him from the equation. The former All Japan pro wrestler withstood the onslaught. The hills drove Jake into a chair which bent, uh, but the big man recovered and saw through the ropes onto Do Ring and Young, stopping him from removing the protecting covering from the floor. Rhino unloaded on Do Ring with a uh, kendo stick, but the big man started him with a choke slam, broke the weapon over his knee. He is looking like a monster. Uh, Thumbtacks were introduced and Young quickly experienced the agony of the piercing weapons in his back. Still the former world champion recovered long enough to rock Jake with a hockey mask and score the pinfall of victory. Uh, like I said, it, it, it was it was it was what it was. But the question is, how wide is Rhino? Is he the widest wrestler of all time? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, he looks like he hasn't changed. He's always been like that. He's always been that big. Um, he's it's wide. The wideness. It's like it's coming out. It's the same like as the entrance way now. I've never seen a wrestler. Then gotta, so then I gotta go see a old ECW uh, <laughs> show to see how big he's gotten because I seen him. I gotten used to seeing him the way he looked. I mean, he still does the gore. That's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, it's good that Impact has veterans, you know, uh, and, you know, but you got veterans that are into the hardcore stuff. Then you 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 gotta have veterans in there that either technical wrestlers or, or, you know, or regular wrestlers. But Rhino, yeah, I mean, Rhino is Rhino. I, I, again, I have to go watch a, a old ECW uh, match uh, because I know Rhino's always been a thick boy. You know what I'm saying? He's, he's, he's short. Yeah. He's a short guy. He's compacted. Honestly, goodness, you will be shocked by how wide. It's it's, it's almost like <laughs> Kane sitting down lengths. That, that's how tall it is. Uh, I do like Violet by design. The name... Yes, I like that name. Outfit. I love that yeah. name. Yeah, Violent by Design. Because uh, when I was writing my notes, you know, they, they, I, I was, I, I didn't want to write all the names. I just said Violent by Design. I said that's a cool name, Violent by Design. And, and matching they, outfits matters a lot with teams as well. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah. And then to top it off, it, it's a cool name for guys, especially Eric Young and that Joe Doring guy. They are Violent. So Violent by Design. That's a perfect name. I don't mind the tornado gets used huh? enough and i think it was fun you know 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, to me, I, I I like it. So I mean, the match itself was pretty good. I mean, what what you expect in a they didn't call it old or what they call it old school match, yeah. but it was more of a hardcore match. It just added an old school match, old school, you know, to make it more, you know, more entertaining. But it was pretty. It was a decent match. It wasn't bad. I'm gonna give that a three and a half out of five. A three and a half? Yeah, I agree to that. Three and a half, yeah. You know, yeah, good effort, That Joe Doreen guy impressed me, though. That guy, he got hit with chest shots, and he took them all. You know, and he reminds me of uh, a Bradshaw, Stan Hansen, and who else? Oof. And a Brody. A, uh, a Bruce Brody. You can feel, feels like sometimes you can maybe accidentally, you know, drive into him and he wouldn't notice or something like that. Like, it's just sheer size of the guy as well. Yeah, um, yeah he's a big boy. Predictions, uh, Young again, so I'm two time and polls. Eric Young was 67%. We then get a backstage segment with Rich Swan, Chris Saban, and Moose. Swan yells at Moose and says he doesn't trust him. Moose says he won many football games with guys he didn't like. Moose says he's not going to let an outsider come to impact and disrespect the company. I like that. I like that promo. I love that promo. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Moose is getting better as far as promos, ringability. That promo, I loved it because he's like, it, he's used he uses football days to let Swan look. Look, I didn't like my teammates, but when it came to the field and we needed a game, we had to get along and win. So that helped. That promo was good. Well, we get our knockouts tag team title match next, and uh, the teams of Havoc and Nevaeh and Kira Hogan and Natasha still sought to etch their names in the history books in the final to crown a new knockout tag team champions. Impact has always been at the forefront for women's wrestling in uh, my eyes. And I think yeah, the kind of respect they have for it. We see the 17-year-old veterans rolled early working over the competition with a size and power advantage. However, Stills and Hogan, now known collectively as Fire and Flavor, then down Havoc and worked over in the corner. I was impressed uh, with, with both teams here. Uh, I yeah. think they, they both gave a lot. Yeah, I, I was surprised, though, that um, Havoc allowed the offense by fire and flavor. I mean, there was a little rookie mistake by Hogan at one point, but fire and flavor looked like the better team. Like, they gelled better, which I was surprised because I thought Havoc and Nevaeh, supposedly they won tag team titles in the Indies. They looked a, a little bit off or either because, or they were going to pass the torch. I, I saw this as a pass the torch type of match because uh, Fire and Flavor, they, they you know, Tasha Steele, I, I seen the wrestle. She's pretty good. Uh, Kiara Hogan has improved from since the first time I saw her wrestle. Um, so the way the match ended was, like, again, David versus Goliath because Nevaeh and, and, and Havoc were much taller than these two young ladies. Um but yeah, you're right. The impact, impact or TNA were always. I think they were the first uh, promotions to bring out that women's tag team belt, uh, and those belts look beautiful too. They, I like the way they, they designed them. Um, um, I think if they continue to do what they do best as far as the tag team division, women's tag team, they, they could be the leading promotion as far as tag team is concerned. I mean, I, I don't want to see AEW trying to do a tag team division. They came and do a regular division. You don't don't try it. No, without a doubt. And uh, Brian Hebner was the referee as well. Calls for turning after a stint away. We see. I didn't even know job. Brian Hebner was an impact. He <laughs> was. He came back as a referee and he refereed the uh, the main event as well. We see Havoc driving Stills and Hogan to the ground with a double power bomb 
out of the corner. Havoc's raw power. And Avaya looked to put the opposition away, but an alert Hogan rolled her out of the way. The Hills recovered and scored a near fall on Havoc, but Navarre broke up the pin. Hogan still stills recovered and the former delivered a Fisher Women's net breaker for the win and the tag team titles. Gail, Kim and Madison Rain joined the new champs in the ring for a passing of the torch moment. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah, that was nice. That was that was cool. Uh, um, it shows you the impact. It's trying to it shows you the impact as far as the women's division. They're doing the right thing. I think they're doing much better. I think that any promotion right now, as far as the women's division, um, but you know, if they continue. They could be the number one promotion as far as women's tag team. And I and I wish them the best because listen, everybody everybody gets to uh, how you call it. Enjoy this, and everybody, you know, gets to benefit from it. Well, I think they should have had more time the match. I mean, you know, when, when you think about it, it was only maybe eight or nine minutes. Uh, both teams were really impressive, but the finish came out of nowhere. I found out a couple of times uh, during the pay-per-view as well where there wasn't a kind of build. It was just kind of, oh, there's a victory. Job done. Um, fire and flavor are the new champs. Again, it wasn't a terrible match. I'm going to give that three and a half out of five. Yeah, um... It wasn't. It wasn't a terrible match. I just. I just feel that I was shocked. I was very shocked that they dominated Havoc. I mean, Havoc was the biggest girl in the in the whole match, and they were able to um, use their fast-paced tactics. A lot of. I noticed they used a lot of uh, sleeper holds, you know, that to to you know get off balance. And 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 you know, Fire and Flavor is going to be a tag team to watch. I mean, they they got they got the chemistry, uh, but it's going to be interesting to see who's going to beat them so what did you say there's a three and a half are we gonna uh yeah three and a half check your mic dude you sounding like a robot again go ahead try now so uh poll wise on that there you go well. you, don't sound, you don't sound like robocop <laughs> <laughs> dead or alive you're coming with me yeah. anyway predictions uh hogan stills free for free for me polls hogan got 63 percent of the vote oh and wow fact, I, I was surprised because i thought that Havoc and Avail were going to win. That's the way I had it, because of the size. They had size. Both of the girls had size of fire and flavor. And that I had them winning that match. I'm surprised that the Twitter world thought that Hogan and um, Steel were going to win it. We get a backstage segment of Crazy Steve and Rosemary wanting to help Tyre, Valkyrie. AC Roma then sneaks into the women's locker area. Then we get Super X Cup winner Ace Austin made his way to the ring unscheduled, accompanied by Madman Fulton. Dismayed by his lack of placement on the card, he demanded Scott Demore add him to the match for the X Division Championship. Instead, Matt Cardona who appears to be in the company's latest free agent signing. He dominated Austin before Fulton entered the course of disqualification a few minutes into the match. Long Island Broski fought off the big man and stood tall to close out the segment. So, this did happen. I'm more of a fan of Hawkins override, and I do like AS Austin. But what are your thoughts on this? Um, the Matt Cardona, that surprised me. That really surprised me. Because, I mean, watching, first of all, I don't know why this is the way they had Ace Austin in a pay per view. I thought they would. Have him like wrestle somebody. I mean, he got to wrestle, but how long was that? Like three minutes. Um, but I was surprised to see Matt Cardona in there. But then again, Matt Cardona never signed an AEW contract because he wanted to be more of a free agent, which is pretty good because I'm hearing that um, he uh, you're gonna see him in a couple of weeks because they do all those tapings. So he did a couple of tapings with them. I mean, it was nice. It was nice to see Ace Austin and Matt Cardona face off. And at the end of the day, nobody lost credibility 
because the match ended up disqualification. Uh, I think, you know, Matt Cardona won by disqualification. So Ace Austin, you know, Super J Cup, uh, Super X Cup, uh, him winning that did not hurt him. Uh, and, you know, I mean, at the end, everybody benefited from him. I could see probably uh, Matt, Matt Fulton going at it with Matt Cardona. If, let's say, Cardona wants to go at it again with Ace Austin. So it's a pretty good way to start a, a new story there. But, again, I just hope they don't keep him there long-term storyline because I still think that man should have the Impact World title run. But it's a nice surprise that buys into the anything can happen on the Impact pay-per-view, you know. And even uh, Matt Stryker said Colt, Cabana, and Zack Ryder changed the way wrestlers kind of sold themselves, which is, is an excellent point when you think about, you know, with Colt starting the podcast and, of course, with Ryder through uh, social media. Yeah, but, you know, did he really need to say that? <laughs> I, I mean, when I heard him say that, I'm like, okay, what's your point, dude? You told about Coco Banner. Coco Banner does not work for Impact. Now you got Matt Cardona. Now you're letting everybody, oh, this guy changed the thing. And but I'm like, come on, dude. Like, get to the right thing. Talk about the right stuff. It's him know? being too clever for his own good, like I said. Yeah. <laughs> that, that. I, I see that, yeah. Now, I, I, once I, now that you remind me that, yeah, I remember that. And, you know, I was like, okay, dude, so what's your point? You know? So, you know, but that match, I mean, for for what it was worth, uh, I, I, I give it I give it a three and a half. You know, it could have been a little longer, but I guess they were playing for time. So yeah. a lot of, a lot of time it's because of time. So I'll, I'll I'll give it a three out of um you know just to say that it was a, quite a nice surprise. And then we had the X division match next: Chris Bay, Manic versus Rohit Raju. Uh, the three competitors is most closely associated with the X Division over the past six months. Manic, Chris Bay and Rohit battled in a triple threat match. The X Division title is prestigious in my eyes. And I would count if someone says, like, what would you put it alongside? I'll say something like the Intercontinental Championship. Yes, yes, it is. You know. Because remember, when Impact first started in 2002, yeah, you had the NWA World Belt and whatnot at that time because TNA was under the NWA umbrella, but... Who gave the best matches? The X Division. The X Division champion. AJ Styles made that belt, you know. Um, and the X Division title, I think, was was propelled to a point where, at that time, where I think it had more credibility than the NWA world title because, you know, TNA was part of NWA. And um, the X Division title, yeah, you could put it up there with the Intercontinental belt. I about that. I can still remember No Surrender, uh, Samoa Joe, Christopher Daniels, AJ Styles. Oh, that was the title. best. That's, that's the best. I think that was one of the best exhibition matches I ever saw. I think it was that, that, wasn't that 2005? Yeah, I, it was just sensational, you know? Yes, it was. And, you know, and a lot of, again, the exhibition is the, the core of that promotion. You know what I'm saying? And, and, you know, and they've been building that around that for a long time. And, you know that that title is prestige. It's prestige. You can't you can't say no. It's not. It's garbage. That title is prestige. That title has. If it wasn't for that title, TNA would not be around. Completely agree. We get lightning quick action dominating the start of the match, giving way to Malik looking for submission of both opponents. Uh, they managed to survive low, and he ripped off Malik's uh, Malik's mask, thinking he exposed TJP under the hood, but coming face to face with a face painted champion created just enough doubt to rob the Desi Hitman of satisfaction. Striker at points in Crumtree sounded like a voice box as well. I don't know if it was because he's not regulated in his breathing or the way he was talking, but at some points it was really, really weird for Striker. You know, much like Matt 
problems with his microphone like I did, but I just it was a bit off putting at points. Yeah, I thought, yeah, I heard that. I was like, what the hell's going on? Yeah, I thought, who's that? Is it Kane joined the commentary or something like that? Like, <laughs> <what's the game? laughs> yeah. uh, we get a series of creative near falls ensured, each man starving off defeat, dive and cutter on Manic, then double cutter off second rope on both men. Manic then fell into cover after kicking out. That was cool. He then delivered a crucifix bomb to Bay as Matt Stryker insisted that champion was TJP. Tied by a knee to the champ for two was a frustrating setting. Bay brought Manic to the mat with a superplex. Raju followed with a double stomp to Bay and applied a crossface to the champ. Bay broke it up, but at a drive-by knee, Manic slid in, rolled Raju up, and scored the victory. What were your thoughts? Okay. Here, I mean, the match was great. I would not say nothing bad about the match. The match was good. Uh, Chris Bay, he impresses me all the time I see him. Um, of course, TJP, we knew it was TJP under the hood. Um, and Rohit... Uh, was fabulous. Here's the problem I had with the match. Now, I remember the way this match became a, th- a three-way. One, of the, I think, was one episode where Chris Bay uh, pretty much made Rohit get interfere in the match, and now he wins the match by disqualification. Now he gets a shot at Manic. Now, the whole point of that was if they take the hood from TJP and prove that TJP uh, is under the hood, then the title is, you know, he loses the belt. Now, they took the hood off his head, and now you clearly see CJP. <laughs> and, I, and I'm saying to myself, now this is stupid. Who came up with the idea to take his hood off? Because now you mess up the whole storyline since the beginning of December, that since uh, Rohi lost the belt. And now you're making it seem, oh, okay, okay, it's just TJP. He just got... You know, they're not going to recognize because he got paint. Come on. Give me a break. You know, so I found that a little bit insulting to me. Like, do something my intelligence. The match itself was great, but it kind of messes up the storyline. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I completely agree with you there because it's a simple thing about mask onto a mask or something like that, especially if that's the story. But there was so much talent on the show. All three men perfect in. Uh, Bay, of course, is a, a future champ. Maybe even TJP is back motivated. But again, the finish kind of came out. Of nowhere, there's no kind of big crescendo building. It was just kind of like, oh, and now he's got the victory. Job done. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, this they was again after we finish this, I, I'm gonna tell you my my uh, opinion on the whole show or what I saw as far. Like I said, TNA is still looking toward WWE. So a lot of this stuff is WWE uh, WWE style, like. You try to insult people's opinion, um, uh, um, thinking, I don't know. But, yeah, but the, like I said, the match was pretty good. It, it, it was pretty good. Yeah, I'm going to give it a four out of five with yeah. just the action that was on. I think that match pretty much was stealing the show until, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you which match stole the show. Well, what annoyed me prediction-wise, I went for Bay. And Triple Threat's always, a multi-man match is always favor the champion. I can't believe I got that wrong. So I'm three out of four. Yeah, I thought... I, I thought Chris Bay was going to win it, too, because I I said, um, you know, because the way Chris Bay wrestles, but you're talking about TJP. This guy's a, a master in that ring. So, you know, I just didn't like the part when they took his hood off. No, obviously the thing, Bay got 71% of the, the vote as well on the poll. So, you know, a lot of people were favoring him. And then get backstage segment with Eddie Edwards uh, and Alyssa. 
Abelus doesn't want her involved in the match and promised that to the ring she needs to go home, take care of her daughter and promise him that she won't go out there. Uh, he does it for them. Our next match is the Knockouts title. Of course, Chaos reigns supreme early in Knockouts Championship match between the Virtuos and Diana Pratsu and to have Alcari lead to the banishment of Crazy Steve, Rosemary, Kimberly and Susan from ringside. What are your thoughts on uh, both of these women? Uh, which match was this again? This is Parazzo versus uh, Valkyrie. Oh, Parazzo. Uh, let me tell you something about uh, Diana Parazzo. That woman, when she wrestles, she she's old school. She is old school because she works on one body part. We don't see that in wrestling anymore. You know what I'm saying? And Diana Parazzo, and I haven't seen the wrestler in so long. I mean, I haven't seen the wrestler since she was in Ring of Honor and she was feuding with Kelly Klein back. Um, and the one thing I said in my podcast over the weekend, I said that WWE did not know how to utilize Perazzo. Because Perazzo is a, a well-skilled wrestler. She works a one-body part, and that's what she was doing through the whole match against Valkyrie. Um, even though Valkyrie kid trying to do comebacks or whatever, but Perazzo, that girl is just, she is, yeah, she's dangerous in that ring. She's, I mean, I love the match. Diana Parada, I don't think I don't see anybody in that women's division that's gonna be able to be her. Well, she sees control early working a left arm. She looks set up her Fujiwara Valkyrie foot back low, but oh, that was a nat- oh my god when she did the <laughs> Fujiwara arm bar, the first one, and then she grabbed the other arm and then she locked it. I said, oh my god, it looked like a ring of Saturn, but that was worse than a ring of Saturn. Well, she uh, transitioned into the Tequila Sunrise, a la Conan, uh, looking oh to force god. a tap out. That was. <laughs> I saw the but, shoulder blades connecting. I like, ah! <laughs> well, Valkyrie again fought her way back into the match, but nurse her injured arm and the left knee. The result of Perazzo's act. Valkyrie escaped a package pile drive attempt for a short drop kick, but the champion kicked out at two. The wearer loca tied up her opponent's legs and controlled her into submission, but Perazzo made it to the ropes, forcing a break. The champion transitioned from the head scissors into the arm bar. She pulled the other arm into the hole, beating the Venus de Milo, forcing the submission to retain the title. Um, folks, well, this is no frills, no gimmicks, straight up wrestling match. It's a big statement by the owner with no help making a tap out. What were your thoughts? I mean, it was a, it was a great match. Like I said, that that hole she put on her was devastating. I mean, I never seen anybody put a hole like that on anyone. I mean, I seen the last person they used to. I don't even think anybody does that move. I mean, the Ring of Saturn was applied differently. That was just brutal. I was like, so I've never seen in my life. And Valk- I think Valkyrie's time and impact could be ending soon because I know she signed a two-year deal, I think in 2018 or 2019, one of those. When Marvel left, her contract ended, I think, that same year, the ending of 2019, but she'd be resigned. So I don't know where Valkyrie goes from there, whether she stays with Impact. I I don't want her in, in, in WWE because they're going to they're gonna kill her. Um uh, but Diana Perazzo, she's um, my God. I didn't know how good she's been. I mean, I, I was so impressed. I like how WWE does not utilize a woman like that, and you let her go. Well, this is the thing. I mean, it was a fantastic matchup as well. With you look at what Perazzo can do. I mean, you you ask who's going to step up next as well. But I'm going to give that three and three quarters out of five for that matchup. Yeah, I'll give a four though. I will give it a four. I think it was a little better than that. Um. I think they both, I think because the part that how the storyline was being told and how Diana Peraza was working on body parts. 
I'm a big fan of that. So. Well, predictions, I went the owner, so it's four out of five. Poll wise, 69% went for the owner as well. And Creeper Conyo said, I'm hoping Tyre wins, honestly. Sorry, mate. We then get a backstage segment with Basie Romero and Johnny Bravo. They discuss uh, that Lady was set up in a shooting on Johnny Bravo. Enough of that. And then we get Ethan yeah, Page. I'm tired of that stupid story. Yeah, no. Nah. Well, we get this is a story I'm interested in. Ethan Page versus a karate man. Oh, my God. Fantastic match. The story behind this is that Page has had a mental breakdown when he and Alexander couldn't regain the tag team titles after losing them to the Good Brothers. Suddenly, we're introduced to Page's alter ego, the karate man, who he now wrestles. I mean, this was nothing, just Ethan Page doing a bunch of kicks and punches, like Night Night 2 Mortal Kombat, uh, including karate man ripping Page's heart out. Um, they broke up the North for this. Um, was this terrible? Terrible. There was beyond terrible because I'm saying to myself, why are they even doing this? The pay-per-view is going fine. And this is the part where I say impact. They do stuff. And I, I and I say that they still, they look toward WWE and they want to be comedic. And that's, that's a, like the deadly sin right there. Because even Ethan Page said he saw this. He said it on, on Twitter. He saw that. He said that was so horrible on Impact's part. He did not know that it was going to be that bad. He said it on a, on a Twitter. And he said that he feels that Impact did this because he left the company. Because, you know, his contract is over. So he's not, he's not resigning with Impact. So I felt that Impact probably was trying to get back at him. And if they are, I mean, the fact that. Josh Alexander lost in the pre-show, and now you're doing this garbage. I mean, you are getting back at a guy who, you know, gave his time to the company. You know, he was tag team champion with Josh Alexander, and now you're doing this. I mean, this was case, that was hard. Case though of like, um, it was so bad it was good. Like, there no, was no intention no, of. Like, I'm watching it and I'm I'm laughing at it because like the kicks. Like I said, when he's laying down and just kicking and hitting the hitting himself. No, it did not it, listen. I seen I seen comedic stuff in my lifetime in wrestling, and this was not one of them. I was okay. like, I mean, we could agree to disagree. And you probably liked it. I didn't because the minute I saw it, I said, I said, okay, I want to see how they're gonna do this match. I didn't even know it was cinematic. And then when I see this, and then he rip his heart out and he's walking. Oh, I'm like, come on. And you could tell. Whoever did this cinematic stuff, that was horrible because the part where they show his his quad uh, walking, you could tell he wasn't really walking, and everything in the background was. Yeah, that's why uh, I thought. That's why I thought they did yeah, it. I was like, what the? What? That was but garbage. But the quotes, the quotes though, the quotes. Impressive, yeah. That, impressive motherfucker. I mean, when do you hear that, right? Yeah, and, I, I and know. The last yeah. one. The last one. Not so yeah. hard to kill. Yeah. So <laughs> it's I, I, like. I I, I didn't know what to make of it. I'm like, why are they doing it? Then the next day, Ethan Page goes and gets on Twitter and he talks about how they played them. They played. He didn't know it was going to be this bad. So oh, it was it was terrible. But oh like my god, said, it was like, was there. But the I mean, but this is what I'm saying. The the paper we was doing well, and then they added this. I mean, you could have put this in the in the in the uh, pre-show. Oh, I was like, oh my god, I didn't I, I didn't know what to do. I'm worried about asking you, what's your score out of five for this one? A zero. <laughs> That's what I give it, a zero. It wasn't entertaining at all. 
I'm going to give it a three because I thought it was so bad. It was actually good. Yeah, I mean, a lot of, some people, someone I know that I read, it said it was genuinely entertaining. I'm like, really? I'm like, okay. I'm not argue that, somebody, that, some people like that. I don't know. Well, uh, prediction-wise, I went Karate Man as well, so I'm five for six at this moment in time. Karate <laughs> Man got so... <laughs> you actually... <laughs> yeah, I went predictions, yeah. You actually, you actually said who was going to win that? I asked polls. Oh, man. Oh, 75% got karate, man. Uh, yeah. But then again, this was maybe the break that the Impact team needed to set up the barbed wire massacre that was going to come up. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Um, backstage, Don Callis runs into Moose and talks about Moose needing to go back into football. Callis says he's a copy of the contract. He says Moose is a smart guy and sees the future. And Callis has him for two more years looking to help a brother out. Moose tells Callis he plays to win. That's exactly what he's going to do tonight. Moose says after he wins... He's going to go after the Impact title, and then maybe he'll show up on AEW and take Kenny Omega's title, which Don Callis was not happy about. That, I love that promo. I love that promo because then it sets up. It shows you that he was really going to be a, 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 a team player. And his thing was he wanted to get in that ring with Kenny Omega. So that was a good promo. I like that part. Well, up next we have the Barbed Wire Massacre. Eddie Edwards versus Sammy Callahan. Uh, what were your thoughts on the Barbed Wire setup? And this is a match. That you were looking forward to. This was brutal, man. As far as um, a minute I saw that, I'm like, people are going to get hurt. And these guys, I've seen them wrestle before. They're going to take it to the next level. And I was just, I'm telling you, every time they did a move, I would jump. I, oh, my God. Especially the part where, um, which one was it? I think, uh, oh, when he, uh, Eddie Edwards went for a dive from the ring and he ate all um, boards with bar wires. And then uh, Callahan goes and does a Cactus Jack elbow drive around his back. I was like, oh, my. It's, it's, it was crazy. That match was crazy. Well, that's what's kind of started us off in this match. And there's not much you can do in an environment like this. But when, like you said, uh, Eddie Edwards went flying into the barbed wire ball, you thought, fucking hell, this is not going to be great. Catch as catch can, it wasn't. But Callahan controlled punishing his foe with any weapon he could get his hands on. Eddie was bleeding like anything. The N64 controller to the face wrapped in barbed wire. <laughs> it's just, it's such a great, you know, throwback. Uh, just as Eddie's, uh, Ed, just as Edwards fought his way into the match, he missed a spear and crashed into a steel cage wall. Which meant grinding the other into the wire at the same time was a really, really cool visual. And then Callahan brandished a black baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire, while Edwards grabbed his trademark kendo stick. We see the slight show of respect there as they made sure they had the right weapons. He rocked Callahan, but semi brought him down on a rope of barbed wire. Callahan set up a board of wire across two chairs and delivered a sickening power driver. What a bump. I thought he might have broke his neck right there. But Edwards defiant, kicked out and fired up. He delivered a Boston knee party, driving a wire wrapped chair into Callahan. The draw kicked out at one. Edwards took a page out of the book of his hero, Miss Wire, and delivered the Emerald Flosion on the aforementioned board for the win what were your thoughts on this brutal war listen the fact that eddie edwards took a chair with barbed wire wrap put it right next to sammy callahan's head he knees the the chair cracks sammy callahan the head and sammy Callahan won i was like this this is crazy and then that the miserable uh mizawa movie made i was like <sighs> i mean but i love sammy callahan because when he gets in these these types of matches this is what you're going to get. You know, the guy is crazy. You know what I'm saying? And then you got Eddie Edwards, which, I mean, I remember the Eddie Edwards that I used to watch in Ring of Honor. He changed so much as where well, he used to be there to now he's a hardcore wrestler. That match was that match was awesome. I think this match stole the show. 
Well, I actually Googled, we talked about, I Googled, you know, watching it and going, Eddie Edwards. There was used to be a guy called Eddie Edwards teaming up with David Richards, wasn't it? You know, and I, and I looked and I was like, oh shit, it's the same fuck. You know, like the, the, yeah, the yeah. amount of yeah. change yeah, well, that guy has gone through. American Wolf. Yeah, Wolf, yeah. And they but were David vicious. Richards, David Richards had to retire. Yeah. And I think there's, well, he, he, he retired, uh, I think a couple of years ago, but he had turned already on Eddie Edwards. So he was going to start a few with him and with Eddie Edwards, but then he got hurt and he never was able to return. He had to retire because he had knee, knee issues, kneecap issues. And, you know, but yeah, that's the same Eddie Edwards guy that, Used to be the impact, uh, the impact chapter a couple of years ago. Now he's just this hardcore wrestler, you know. It, so, it is it's crazy. Uh, but like I said, the the match at that point in time was, I think, the best one on the card because, like yeah. I said, the, the kind of the hardcore fight. A lot of people go, "Well, hardcore matches," but when you think about everything they put on their line, it was brilliant. So yeah, I'm gonna give that a four and a quarter out of five. Yeah, I, yeah, I give it a four and a four and a quarter too. I mean, it was pretty good. It this stole the show. I mean, I thought the the three way exhibition match was winning like the match of the night, but this one, this was sick. You know, especially when he hit him with the candlestick, and then he hit Sammy Khan with the candlestick, and the the bar wire got stuck in the neck. I was like, oh my god! I was like, ah. You could see at times with the bar that you're thinking this is they're not playing here like they could seriously no they did i remember when when eddie edward busted him over the first time actually he took a roll of bar wires and put it like he was jesus christ i was like <laughs> i was like jesus i'm like this is gonna be crazy uh, and, and it was funny because this was the match that had me going oh my god oh like this really was the match that got me interested during the night yeah i mean this is one that made me kind of sit up and uh, take notes as well. Uh, prediction wise, I went Eddie, so I'm six or seven. And poll wise, Eddie got 58%. We then mm. see a promo video airing for Rebellion, which will be on April 24th live on pay per view. And then it's our main event AEW World Champion Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers versus Chris Saban Moose and the Impact World Champion Rich Swan. Um, Don Callis handed the introductions for Omega. Call him God. Can you imagine an actual meeting? between him and God himself, Kota Ibushi? Uh, uh, listen, uh, the, this whole thing uh, that kind of surprised me when, when these guys came out was the Bullet Club thing. The the alphas that they had. The, uh, I know, because that was the thing I was more interested in, how they was going to come out. And I know um, Anderson had a hood with the Bullet Club logo on it, and then the back says, for life. Uh, Gallows had the whole wrestling gear with the Bullet Club stuff. And I think Omega came out with a trick-or-treat uh, Halloween version one. So my thing is, uh, is New Japan going to be working with Impact? That's my that's my question. I mean, that was like the thing that caught most of my, my when the entry was it. All these guys wearing Bullet Club stuff. Meanwhile, again, you got Tamatanga in Japan talking about they're not Bullet Club. So I tell you, this is a bigger story. This is going to be yes. a bigger storyline that everybody is going to expect. Remember what Tony Khan said? Um... Let's say about thing uh, before we spoke in December, he said the paradise, the uh, the balance of, of wrestling is changing, and this is it. This is it. Well, let's get on to this main event that everybody was excited to see. We see early wrestling from Sabin and Anderson gave way to a hoss fight between Moose and Doc Gallows before the action broke down. In the midst of it all, Omega grabs hold of Swan and tagged in Anderson. Sabin and a quick near fall of a standing moonsault by Moose. Standing moonsault by Moose. Like not talked about. 
Every time it's, I see uh, Moose, I get yeah. more and more impressed. Yeah, six foot six, doing a moonsault, standing moonsault. Where you ever saw that? Well, he actually wrote down once more, and this time the babyface is rolled with Saban and Swan delivering an assisted tornado DDT to Omega, and diving over the ropes to wipe out the opposition. Gallows worked over Swan, and Omega added the famouser. The Impact World Champ tagged in Moose, and the former St. Louis Ram bowled over the competition. With Saban, the legal man, the babyface had again found themselves on the defensive. Omega dropped him with a setup powerbomb for two. Moose with a fly on Omega off the top rope. Again, how can a guy his size actually do it? Saving down Domega and scored a red hot near fall. Anthony Gallows flattened the former TNA and X Division champ and scored a two count of their own. Swan entered the match and exchanged blows with Omega. The AW champion got the best of it, delivering a snapdragon suplex and a under, underhook pile driver. Moose hoisted Omega on his shoulders, but the cleaner slivered out and sent the big man into Swan, crotching him onto the top rope. Swan and Moose enemies combined for a modified Doomsday Device that scored a two. Swan delivered a 450 splash moments later for another dramatic near fall as Omega reeled. A Miss Phoenix splash gave way to the Good Brothers dropping Swan with a magic killer and Moose making a last minute slave. Omega sent Moose to the floor, delivered a V-trigger and finished him with a one-wing angel for the win. What were your thoughts on this main event? This this match got good, real good, because it started a little slow in the beginning, but it got good. Once Moose went in there with Omega, everything got interesting. Um, Again, this was Moose coming out party to show the world, look, I may be in Impact, and maybe most of you guys don't hardly see me, but this is my coming out party. And he did so well with, with Omega. Again, this is what I'm saying. And Rich Swan got pinned in this match, where I see maybe if Impact was smart, and AEW, well, AEW don't got to do anything. Impact was smart, they would have Moose beat Rich Swan for that belt and have Moose wrestle Kenny Omega, champion versus champion. But this whole match, toward the end, it got so, so good. I mean, because there were so many close pitfalls. I mean, there was at one point you saw Moose almost pin Omega, and he nearly pinned him by a half an inch, you know? Same thing with Rich Swan. So there was a lot, a couple of pins there that were very, very close, and it was very entertaining. So the main event uh, pretty much delivered. There's a couple of things. I think the pinfall on Rich Swan maybe shows. I mean, I'm hoping that Rich Swan or whoever the like I said the champion is faces Omega down the line. If would they give it that way? If it you know if it was going to happen, maybe not. And also Moose being there actually helped because it matched the three opponents up because yeah. then you had a big man you know with uh, obviously Gallows with Moose. And I think Moose might have been one of the most things I was impressed with in that matchup. He was the MVP of the match. No, no doubt. I mean, now I could tell you this. I, I, I'm, I'm looking at a vision here also where maybe because Rich Swan got pinned by Omega, um, you could have Omega defeat Swan in a one-on-one match and then have Omega defend the Impact title and the AEW title and then Moose puts the TNA belt on the line, even though it's not, you know, and then it, it becomes like a collection for Omega. I'm well, telling you, this whole thing with Omega is a belt collection, and he just, this is all a shift. They are pretty much monopolizing the wrestling. Remember, he's the, well, Kyle said, he's the invisible hand. They're just making, they're just moving parts. That's what they're doing. And this was mentioned the other day as well, because someone said, oh, I'm going to beat Omega, you're no longer going to be a collector. So they are kind of building towards that. Um, yeah. The big thing is, I mean, the match itself was, like I said, really, really good. I'm going to give that four and a half out of five. I give it for four and 
0.75, almost a five. Yeah, because um, it was it was that good. But does losing make Impact Wrestling look weak? Uh, no, because at the end, again, like I said before, it all comes down. Everybody wins. Yes, because um, if think about it, Good Brothers are part of Impact, so they didn't get pinned. They're in the winning side, though. Omega is part of AEW, but if you think about it, everybody in there was mostly Impact guys. So Impact doesn't lose credibility at all because at the end of the day, then you're making it more interesting because now everybody's going to be like, well, you know, Omega just pinned Swan for, you know, in a six-man tag, you know what I'm saying? And what's, and, and, and like I said, this was Moose going, coming out party, you know, and then what happened afterward, I don't know if you got to see the the post-match interview, but Moose ended up attacking Rich Swan after the after the after the event was over. So there is going to be a, some type of minor title match where it's going to be Moose versus Swan for the Impact title. Again, everybody, I think everybody benefits from this because the match was that good that whoever saw it, whether whether you was an AEW fan or an Impact fan, now you're going to go on Tuesday to find out what's going on. If, yeah. Even if you wasn't watching it before, but you're gonna go back and see. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I completely agree with you. Um, predictions of went for elite. So my final score was seven out of eight for Polewise Omega got eighty-one percent, which is not really much surprise. Uh, so our match of the night is the main event. Who's your person of the night? I think <laughs> I know who I'm going for now. The guy, the MVP of the night. That's Moose. Moose was the MVP of the the night. He again. Uh, from where I first saw him to where he's at now, and it could show it shows you that he could go toe to toe with Omega if they were smart, they would make that match. So most to me was the the wrestler of the of the night. Yeah, I was really really pleased the fact that Moose is a replacement actually shone kind of brightest. It makes me think that that might be, might have been some of the idea all along. Um, what is your going to be your score out of ten for this um, pay per view? Uh. I give it a, a seven, maybe a seven and a half. I mean, they 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 killed it with this damn karate man thing. So it could have <laughs> it, it could have went to eight and a half to nine to me, even though the first match wasn't the greatest, but it was a start. That's the way you want to start slow. We could start slow, and after that they 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 upped the antes with the with the old school match and the uh, three way exhibition, the the women's title match. It was going fine until that karate man messed it up. So overall, I'll give it seven. I'll give it a seven and a half, seven and a half stars. But eight and a half because I love karate man. <laughs> no, I'm just, you like karate I, man. I understand. I think everything overall, like I said, it. what I liked about it was it kind of gave you a little bit of taste of everything. It said, right, you've never seen Impact Wrestling before. You're watching a pay-per-view for the first time. This yeah. is what we do. We care about women. We care about the women's division. We care about the women's tag team division. We care about intergender. Yes, that still happens. You want a bit of hardcore? Here you go. You know, oh, you want the X division, what we're known for? This is the match. Yeah. The women, there you go. And then you had that main event that added the intrigue. And I think overall, it might not be the best impact show, but I think it ticked all the boxes, so to speak. Yeah, and, and if you think about it, let's say if someone... Let's say you invited someone to watch the show, and he's an AEW guy, right? And, you know, or someone who who seen Kenny Omega in Japan but doesn't follow AEW. He sees Omega there, but they're going to be like, wait a minute. I thought Omega was, 
AEW and he's in with the world title, they'll be like, no, but Impact and AEW are working together. Now, if you're a true wrestling fan, you'll be like, wow, that's interesting. You're going to watch it. You're going to watch both shows because now you want to see what's going on. You know? So that's what makes the wrestling so good because, I mean, and and I feel, and, and I'm going to say this uh, to, you know, to finish it up. I think that I feel from here to August, that's going to be, uh, I see Omega other promotion. I see him probably going against Nick Aldis for the NWA title. I, I see him going against Joseph Fatu for the MLW title. He might, and, and the one I think is going to stop him is Ibushi because Ibushi is now the, the double champion. And I think they're going to, they're thinking about uh, Ibushi wants to uh, unify the belts to have just one belt. So, I mean, I'm not a fan of that because then the Intercontinental the belt, you know, you never see it again. But, you know, but that, I think that's going to, I see by the summertime, wrestling is going to be so hot right now, you know, that you're going to be, you're going to want to watch every promotion. Well, th- th- this is the thing, you know, he's just checking out on Impact Wrestling, he's paid a few. Uh, you know, has it been enjoyable? Yes, it has. But even if it hasn't, like you said, the MLW, you've got NXT UK, you got NXT AEW, even outside of the kind of, you know, the WWE bubble, we talk about New Japan and other places like that as well. It's a, it's a, weirdly enough, it might be a horrible time to live in the world, but it's a great time to be a wrestling fan as oh, yeah. we come along to 2021. Uh, the next time you... Are you going to come back for a beach blast? You reckon at the start of February? Oh yes. Oh, you definitely. I'll, I'll come for that. Um, definitely. I want because, I mean, I think when is it? February third. I think it is. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll come. I'll come by, hang out with you again, cross the pond. You know, New York City style. You know, in London. So. <laughs> New York and London. Dubbing yeah. our podcast. That's what it's all about. Um, like I said, that is it. Uh, don't forget across all social media: Twitter at the Dubbing Podcast. I am JR. Our follower of the week is Hawkeye Warrior. Uh, do you want to plug your, all your stuff at the moment, mate? Yes. Uh, I just have I started my own website. It's called the TCWR.VeryImpressive.com. That is my website. You could get there my merchandise from my Chokeslam Wrestling Report. Uh, the You could get the T-shirt. You could get the, the, the baseball cap. I also, also in there, you could click on the big giant logo the Chokeslam Wrestling Report, you can hear my audio podcast, plus my YouTube channel, all in one website. That's tcwr.veryimpressive.com. Again, that's tcwr.veryimpressive.com. And like I said, check out his merchandise. I might have to have a word with you about how you've managed to sort it out. But like I said, when it comes to the ultimate one being on here or the Chokeslam Report, as it is, expect the best, whether it will be for the kind of the graphics that they've got, or like they said, the website that they yeah, use. It would be on the- you, yeah, you got in the audio in the audio podcast. You could find me in Spotify, Breaker, uh, Apple, Google, any audio podcast you guys listen to your favorite show. You could find me there. The Chokeslam yeah. Wrestling Report. And like I said, if it, if you're doing it, you've listened to the WNR and you're going, oh, I wonder about this fella. You know, the, the thing is. It wouldn't be on the WNR if it wasn't any good, you know. And I think yeah. that's that's, that's yeah. the whole point. That is uh, true. <laughs> that is true. Just if your stuff sucks, you're not gonna be no Apple, none of that shit. So, so that's the thing. And of course, the WNR on Facebook, the WNR podcast, also on Instagram. Send us an email at WNR podcast at gmail.com or on YouTube. All the latest clips and podcasts so at the same time on YouTube. You do SoundCloud on your phone and also Stitcher and IG. So you can download, subscribe, rate, and review there so that is it my next episode is going to be the luke harper tribute with nxt uk 
and WCW Sin 2001. But it been James Rollins, and I had the pleasure to be joined by the ultimate one. Thank you again for joining. No problem. You know, always love over here from New York City. So well, I'll definitely be back in February, February 3rd, I think it is. I don't remember. <laughs> we cannot, I cannot wait, or we as a collective unit as well cannot wait for you to come back. But that is it for today. Thanks All for right. listening, everybody, and bye. Bye.